Ladies and gentlemen, may I present for your intellectual and philosophical pleasure Run Fast on Raw Dog Product Comedy Hits Channel 99 Let's get down to it, boppers. Oh, hey, buddies. It's the Ron Fez Show. Our first day back for the new year. Just in time for Oscar weekend. Keep an eye on Rocky. I think it's an underdog movie that could do well. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Coming up a little later on in the show, the three titans of metal. Really a power trio. Eddie Trunk, Jim Florentine, Don Jameson. That metal show returns for its 14th season. In six years. <laughs> and they're all going to be performing tonight at the Starland Vocal Band Ballroom in Saraville, New Jersey, with special guest Jackal. Jackal. Oh, nice. Who's also a Batman villain. Uh, then they're going to be uh, performing at the Rex Theater in Pittsburgh, PA, tomorrow night. February 21st, eddytrunk.com for tickets, information, everything you need. That's coming up in about an hour. Fez Watley wearing your brand new, is that a gay shirt you have on today? This is a gay shirt. Wow, that looks great. And when did you wash up on this island? Uh, what's up with you, big cat? What's what's the big cat uh, you know prowling about? Uh, well, this the first release photo of. Okay. Of what? Of. You're not in a good mood. No, I'm good. Um, this is out. The photo of Aquaman from Aquaman. the Batman versus Superman movie. Oh, Aquaman! There he is. This is viral. This is what all the kids are talking about. So good. People are even in tears taking a look at it. Chris Stanley, what did you think? I love it. I love this Aquaman. He looks like a real badass. Plus, he's from Game of Thrones, the actor. So it's like I it's like I get a little Game of Thrones with my DC movie. I'm really excited. I think it looks badass. All right. Now, are you familiar with the Aquaman character at all? Yes, I am. Uh, and what does Aquaman carry? A trident. Okay, and try means what? Three. Now I want you to count the points on this thing. One, two, three, four, five. See, that's what I don't get. He's carrying like a half a menorah instead of a trident. How hard is it to just have a trident? They don't want to offend Greek people. It would be that easy. That's a giant shrimp fork. Mmm, I love giant shrimp. Or jumbo shrimp. 
as they're known. Prawn? Um, they've done away with the... And Faz, I want to say this in a way that's not offensive. Fruity <laughs> Aquaman uh, get-up. He looks great. He and looks- he's dressed like it's 300. Yeah, this is uh, this is a from the a costume design from the Road Warrior. This is not Aquaman. But is that a bad thing? Yes. No, it's not. It's fucking updated. It looks badass. Aquaman was always a pussy. Now this is the yeah. You're right about that. They they said to themselves, we can't let him be. And excuse me for saying this, Fez. I hope I'm saying it in the right way. Fruity. But uh, let's say brighter. But everyone always made fun of Aquaman with his like little yellow hair and his orange and green cheerleading outfit. He looks like he was a tumbler at best, <laughs> and now he looks like he's straight out of three hundred. He's a warrior. But they're forcing their they're shoehorning this into the Batman versus the Superman. I like it. I like the idea they expand this DC universe into this thing. He also does not look like what you would call. A good guy, you know what I mean. He seems like he's he just came in through a portal in space and is trying to kill Iron Man and Thor. This guy's like the dictator of the sea instead of like the prince or king or whatever that guy was. This is the worst Aquaman casting since Vincent Chase. That actually did very good. Come on, did very big numbers. He's not even blonde. The Aquaman I grew up with looked like Jim Gaffigan. See, that's the thing. When you grew up, as you come from the golden age of comics the <laughs> 1920s things were a little more innocent in those days uh, you gotta update this look Nick Fury's black in, in the Avengers I think that the, that the problem with it is now just the whole deal was supposed to be Batman versus Superman and now you're shoving in this other thing which by the way if if you see him within the last two minutes I'll be surprised <laughs> But what is Batman supposed to say? Oh, fuck, no, there's a Superman under the ocean. You know what I mean? Like, if I was Batman and I saw Superman and Aquaman, you know what I would say? I guess I'm not needed here. I am glad that I did it for a while. This guy's got the C's unlocked, and this guy's up top. It's fine. Um, He's fucking super. Yeah, I mean, when you really think about Batman, he's no different than one of those angels that ride around on the subway cars. What's that guy's name? Um, Silva. Curtis Silva. Silva. Or Silva. (laughs) Guardian Angels. Yeah, Guardian Angels. I mean, basically, Batman should be wearing a a maroon beret at best. Uh, So there it is. I think he looks great. Aquaman, I think, has just moved to the top of the... Awesome list. Yeah. So you it, know? it looks like they took his iconic orange scaled shirt and just made that into tattoos. Yeah, that's cooler. Wait, that's not. Yeah, these are tats on the left hand. I, I missed that completely. I thought it was mesh. <laughs> no, no, I no. I thought he had some kind of uh, <laughs> like a fence or a net that he had swum through. No, he's, no, he's just up. got tribal tattoos from the early 90s. All right, so this is not going to be for you. You always said that you're a big Batman fan. Where is your excitement level of Batman versus Superman on a scale of 1 to 10? Oh, it has just dropped down to a 1, seeing Aquaman. Where was it before that? It was at a brimming 6. Really? Because you didn't... I haven't heard you even sounding 6 excited about this. Dude, I've gone from 0 to 100 with this fucking thing coming out. It's not on the scale. It is now. It's 10 times the scale. (laughs) Yeah. I could have cared less about Batman versus Superman. So this is why you were in tears at the start of the show, Aquaman? I, I, I weep. For this Aquaman. I heard you, and I didn't know why. (laughs) 
This um, stinks. Not at all, dude. This is and Zack Snyder thinks Zack Snyder is the guy who did the three hundred, so you can see where he got. Yeah, the, it's a three hundred look. Yeah. I didn't even know that. It's so. reruns. Well, isn't all of it? <laughs> this is super cool. Screw Ben Affleck. It's all about Aquaman. I like that they updated the trident or the five dent or a pitchfork, whatever it is. Hopefully he has a bunch of fucking shrimp buddies to hang out with. Or at least a shark. I mean, this guy looks like a shark, dude. Well, they claim in the last Man of Steel movie that when the whales came swimming over to Superman, that they were sent by Aquaman. I don't even remember this. What? When he uh, was saving everyone on the oil rig. I, I just don't remember the last Superman. I know that there was one. I either didn't see it or don't remember it. Is that the one where Kevin Costner was the dad? Yeah. All right, I did see that. There were whales? I, I the, the Dances with Wolves sent that whale over. Now, I don't remember <laughs> the whale or who sent them. No. No, who said that Aquaman sent them? That is a fanboy rumor. Okay, so oh, it wouldn't bullshit. have been in the fucking movie. That's some guy you on the comment section. Yeah, you can't. Right. But you can't get us to understand that. If we just saw the movie... Hey, I bet they saw those whales. That's how they're going to tie it in. I mean, unless they superimpose that later onto the <laughs> DVD, we're not going to know about it. Big Oscar weekend uh, coming up, and we're going to have the uh, the Polo up and ready to talk about it. I got a an ugly email from him last night. Uh, that had to do with Chris and Fez, and finally I just said to him, do you just want to see the, you know, you just want to talk Oscars, and he wrote back, yes. So it's all, I guess, all forgotten very, very quickly. Oh, good, just take your thumb off of Andy from Cleveland. He's the uh, he's the guy who loves and knows these comic book films. Hey, Andy, what do you got, pal? I gotta say, I'm on board with Chris. Um, I've been kind of about this this attempt at DC to bring everybody to the screen, but I think this update is actually uh, decent for Aquaman. He's one of those characters that depends on the. Andy, you know, you're excited about depends. anything that happens in comic books and comic book movies. You're like saying to a guy from Chicago, how do you think the Bears are going to do <laughs> next year? <laughs> crush. Yeah. They're going to fucking crush. You're dude. up for it. Cutler's coming back. I'm, I'm, I'll say this. I'm always open. And I'm sometimes disappointed. Like, you know, I, I, like there's been, there have been definite missteps. Uh, I think all you guys Rider get to point, disappointed after the fourth viewing. The first night, you're all excited. That was awesome. And the Star Wars people, I get, are they all the same people? Yeah. It's just the same yeah. crowd that's running around from flashy movie to flashy movie. But, Actually, um, I, will, I will totally admit to this on the air. The first time I saw Green Lantern... I was like a nervous, my wife was laughing at me because I was like a nervous parent watching their kid at a ballet recital. Like my blood pressure was actually up. She looked at me before the lights went out. She said, holy shit, your head's going to pop like a tick. Because I was pink. I was literally like, oh God, let this be good. Let this not suck. And and then you watched everything unfold in front of you and you're like, yeah, this is mediocre at best. This is, you know, is going to get trashed. And you know, you know what's coming. 
Mediocre at best would be the greatest review that movie ever got. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the problem with the DC stuff is that it's so archetypal. The characters are so relatively old school and have been in our society for so long that it's kind of like... I don't know. I always joke it's kind of like making mocha ice cream for somebody. You can never make everybody happy. Somebody's going to say, you know what? They were built for a coffee. Yeah. They were built for a different time. They came in the time where even in the movies that they would put white hats and black hats on cowboys. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, we saw recently how well that, you know, that relaunched it when we, when we tried to bring back the Lone Ranger. Yeah, it's a very, yeah, it's a very difficult thing to take something from one era. And you could at least say the Marvel thing belongs to, you know, fucking the 60s. But if you go back to the DC characters, that's really, you know, turn of the century, 20s. Depression. Yeah, I mean, it's a different time. Anybody who would have read those is dead. You know, <laughs> like it's very hard. To, you know, point that out, uh, that these characters have to update or else you have to place the movies in the 1920s. If you look around at the uh, the Gotham TV show, you can't yeah. tell whether it's the 40s or today. It looks like the 40s and then someone pulls out a fucking iPhone. You know what I mean? You have to you have to make a place that doesn't exist. Actually, my wife and I were noticing that, like, you know, yeah, you're right about the aesthetic look, but if you actually watch the amount of tech that they use on the show, they keep it relatively low. Uh, we were noticing that. Like, yeah. they keep, like, they don't really, they're not really jumping on the internet, like, eight, every eight seconds. Well, they're, you know, they're, they're kind of keeping that ambiguous. Yeah, they, because it's not this world. You know what I mean? When you watch yeah. Gotham, it's some other fucking universe, but they don't say that, you know? Um, yeah, and frank and frankly, you know, as, as far as if you want a comic book, for my money, if you want the comic book experience on the TV shows, um, you know, the Flash. I, I've been absolutely loving this show. It's fantastic. I think they don't do the typical thing with all these other shows. They're like, ooh, we're going to hint at this character, and you might see this character. No, it's right out in front. You know, he's in the suit. I, I, I watched The Flash hours. for a little while. I've fallen off of it, but I, I, I locked into the Gotham. I, I think the biggest problem there is they've unloaded so many in one season. You know, it's like, is this a movie or a TV show? What's your hurry? <laughs> Well, I think one of the interesting things we're seeing with Gotham is that even though they have unloaded a lot of the characters, we're starting to see interesting developments with the characters. Like, I really dig what they're doing with uh, Mr. Zaz. You know, he's become this little bit of a, of a very menacing presence, almost, um, I don't know, he's, he's like that guy that when he shows up now on the show, we know, oh, God, the shit's going to go down because he's there. But here's the thing. Since fucking Batman is eight years old, we know none of this shit is going to be taken care of. Got a 20-year crime streak yeah. going on. <laughs> the bad guys are going to win for a long time. Um, all right. Uh, so you're all for this new Aquaman. I think I was at looking at the photo, I was actually uh, in, intrigued that they seemed to dip heavily into the early 90s version of the character in which they made him uh, much more... Of a ocean, uh, ocean going barbarian, and they actually removed one of his hands and replaced it with a harpoon. And, uh, I was kind of, you know, some kind of interesting, interested to see if they're gonna go that full route with, uh, Jason Momoa's interpretation. You're gonna see if he gets his wrist cut off. That's the whole thing for you. I hope he gets, I hope Superman <laughs> pulls off his wrist. Alright, thanks, Andy. Uh, Dave, Dave, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ronnie. Um, what is Superman and, and Batman's beef? 
I don't, that's well, the whole thing I don't understand. What are they? It's from a, it's from the comic book that's called Gay Lovers Spat, and uh, you'll see. You know, well, I'll just say this: one of them wants to receive more than give, oh. and just uh, leave it at that. Let's uh, talk to Mister Paul O about the movies. There's nothing like a movie. Here's this big intro that I'm setting up for everybody. From the legendary one of the studios in a predominantly white neighborhood, one of presents Showtime with the Paulo. Hey, Paulo! You like oh, well, some movie. You like some movie, how to do this. Paulo, this has got to be the biggest weekend of your uh, life, right? It is. Uh, the, the, it's probably. This is my probably my last Oscars. I'm really. It's really a crazy year. There's so much anger and and fighting on bloggers. It's insane. Are you talking about uh, Hollywood or your own personal life? No, I'm talking about Hollywood. I mean, you know. I mean, there's. You know, there's so many. Wait, I, I just want to make sure we get this because this could go viral. You're calling us the last Oscar ceremony of all time. That's right. That's what wow. All right. Called it this <laughs> time next position. year. Everybody remember when we don't have a an Oscars because the bloggers fight back and forth. What are you hearing that I'm not, Paulo? Oh, I don't know. I think 2016 is the year of the Great Awakening, so everything's over then, too. So there'll be no Oscars. There'll be nothing. All right. So this is the last year of our innocence. <laughs> the Great Awakening comes, and I, I guess that's when we all kind of jump ahead in a Stanley Kubrick type way. A giant <laughs> baby right. bumps her forehead against the planet Earth, and we see things differently. Exactly. Chris is like Everything a fucking little... spitz in here. What's going on? It's so hot. It's all the way down. Jesus. What am I going to do? Get a fan? I get one. I got one upstairs. What are we, children? <laughs> Only children should have a fan around them and models. Uh, so, and Paulo, do you, should we even care? No, we should definitely care. This is a very contentious year. People are arguing. People are fighting. So let's care while we still can. Um... All right, so this year, what is the race that you're most excited about? Well, I mean, as you probably remember, I said like six months ago it was between Boyhood and Birdman. and You and, called and it, I'm, Polo. <laughs> absolutely called it. But the fact is is that I could rip apart every nominee of the Best Picture nominees. As a matter of fact, I would love to have seen Inherent Vice and in a Most Violent Year thrown into even out the ten, but... They chose to go with eight for whatever reason, and uh, I, I mean, I just think that there's no, there's no contest. Birdman is so much better than the rest of the movies; it's not even funny. Uh, and it's going to uh, take uh, best director and best picture. Uh, I think that's the case. There yeah, won't be a split this well, year because we got yeah, the call is- yesterday from Jermaine Lasier. He sees a split. Yeah, a split is very possible. I mean, there's like... But you just said I it wasn't even close. There's nothing no, to talk I about. I said Birdman... I said, I'm not predicting. I'm saying, personally, I think Birdman's the best movie by far. But that's just my opinion. It's not my prediction. Well, you got to give uh, predictions, Paul. Um, that that's the whole want. point of this, is so that people well, can win their Oscar pools. Oh, okay. Well, if that's the case, then Birdman will win. But I still think... That that everything is. I mean, American Sniper is coming up strong. Right. It's so, American which are you movie. picking? 
We, I mean, I could have fucking Chris run in here and just read off the nominees. Right, Selma's going to win, but also Theater of Everything because has a great chance. And Whiplash, that's definitely going to win. Unless, of course, Boyhood does. Um, Fez, what are you pulling for? Uh, best picture is going to be the Grand Budapest Hotel. Wow. Now, say, you haven't... Se- you, did you see that film? No, I haven't. Now, the film that I think that you would like is the gay film. Yes, the imitation game. I watched it last night, and it's very, very gay, and it's very lonely gay, and it's very not setting in gay. And this would be to me the Fez Watley story if you could do math. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> never been able to. That's the sad thing. I'm like, I go, this is a sad movie. But what if this uh, antisocial gay couldn't do math? It would be worse. He would be crying, introducing the new Aquaman. You know, it would be. Uh, it would be horrifying. In a Nazi-controlled world. I don't know why we don't do a documentary with you, Fez. I think it would be fantastic. I had that idea a long time ago, but nobody's jumped on it. <laughs> well, why didn't you do it? No one I wanted to do it. Following him around with everybody was non-cooperative, so I dropped. I got you know. I'm trying to just hang on with you know with my fingernails to light, so I can't worry about everything that doesn't work. So you could have been up this year for best documentary. I could have. Exactly. What's going to win best documentary, Polo? Well, I think Citizen Four is is in the lead. By what is far. this? What is this about? Ed, Ed, Edward Snowden uh, documentary. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. that always work having a Snowden thing. Now, uh, Chris, this is the worst year that you did with documentaries. I know. Some years we'd have four or five documentary filmmakers in here. We only had one this year that's nominated, which I love, which was the last days of Vietnam. Yeah, uh, yeah. There was. Uh it was a little slimmer on my end this year. What happened? You just fell out. The uh, the people, the documentary people that I usually deal with, they weren't yeah. bringing in the Oscars, the Oscar winners. Besides last days in Vietnam, they they didn't have anyone else there. And some people I know left to other companies. So, uh, what else was up this year for best documentary? Uh, I don't have my list in front of me. And documentaries, well, I mean, Finding I, Vivian, I would, uh, what's her name? Meyer. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Garland produced that, who was our buddy and who did the show last year. That would have been perfect. Uh, what's the salt of the earth? That's Vim Vendors, who we've had on the show before. Um, I don't know. I'm not saying anything, Chris. I'm not saying a goddamn word, but it seems like all these people have been here before. They have. Yeah. You know, the funny thing about the Edward Snowden documentary is, is that he looks a little, um, you know, uh, rem- now, now I'm going to What are the presents you got there, Chris? Let me see. Oh, this is uh, some candy from the West Coast. I like candy, so I'll just take a big no, old bite no, of this. No, 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 Why not? Why can't I have a little Kiva? Because they're from KivaConfections.com. That is the best place to get your medical marijuana Well, you're not candy. supposed to get them on the... They didn't ship it to you, did they? Oh, uh, no, they did not. I just received some. What, the, you have a medical condition I don't know about? I, I have a bad shoulder. Here's blackberry dark chocolate. That's from our buddy at the, at the 1LB Club. Is on this YouTube. good for shingles? Does it say anywhere? Definitely good for shingles. Here's vanilla chai, hot? milk chocolate. Now, how much of this would you eat? Is this uh, what that woman reporter ate a whole bar of and then <laughs> laid on the floor of her room? Freaking out. Yeah, thinking that Einstein was butt-fucking Hendrix in front of her? <laughs> I, I eat half the bar just to give it a shot because, you know, it's hit or miss sometimes with the food. But this stuff looks great. 
Is there pot in that chocolate? So, uh, Bolo, what else is the other big race? Who's going to win best uh, actor this year? Birdman? Uh, well, no, they, uh, you know Eddie Redmayne is uh, is on the is the uh, lead guy, but uh, there is uh, again controversy there. There's a big race there. Obviously, Michael Keaton and also Bradley Cooper are all in contention. I brought that up yesterday to Jermaine Lassier, and he laughed in my face because I think Bradley Cooper has been nominated three years in a row. He's got right. this big uh, movie, as they say, that flyover country loves. You know what I mean? Yeah. They'll all be pulling for him. Maybe this is the year he's an actor and a movie star, which is fairly rare. Maybe this would be the big upset that would make everybody like go, yay! Let's invest in another war. Let's you know, let's keep this going. Let's, <laughs> let's shoot up all the ISISs wherever they are. And, it, and it's a way to show love for American snipers since they didn't show any love for Clint Eastwood and Jersey Boys. So you know, they like to well, the, it Clint around. Eastwood and Jersey Boys. They was kind of a flop, right? Everyone <laughs> yeah, said it blue. Was. Yeah. Like it's it's between Keaton and and American Sniper, and I think Keaton's gonna edge it out. I don't know. I mean, tell you this last night, this guy who played the gay kid, the Cumberbatch, yeah, he was terrific. He was terrific. I mean, I would have sworn he was gay. I, I that good. I, turned out that he wasn't. Oh. but he's that good of an actor. I, I know he just got engaged to a woman, so that this that's means the, the guy's over. brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Now, in his defense, he really didn't have to touch anybody. He All just, right. you know, he talked about it. Oh, Fez yeah, I didn't, so he didn't suck any dick or anything All like right. that. <laughs> so rude. But can I tell you something, Fez? You act like, oh, gays have it bad now? Uh-uh. You are light years away. Light years away. It's a lot better. No one is going to, oh. you know, kick in the doors, fucking drag you away. Mm. The chemical stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, it's awful. It's awful. I just said a sign of prayer to Fezzi. We should just bomb. And I, li I lifted up my medical marijuana candy bar. <laughs> Woo, Kiva! <laughs> and I said, I said, Fez, I'm glad you came over to watch this movie. And then slowly I th said, wait a minute, you're a throw pillow. <laughs> That's how much... I must have hurt that I needed on my medicine, my chocolate medicine. There's also some mini, uh, they're called terabytes. It says they're for Hard Rock Johnny, but I guess we'll have to come over here to get them. These what do they do for you? It's just weed with like little like weed candies. They look like It's like a Whopper, but there's marijuana in it. How many of those would you take, does it say? Let me see. I don't, I don't think it says how many you should take. Now, somebody tell me, tells me that the weed candies doesn't affect them at all. And then other people said they're just blown away with it. I, it depends on how, you, how it's made, because I've eaten some. Like, Mobile Mike Eagle gave me some one day, like a candy bar. I ate it immediately, and I felt <laughs> nothing at all. Like, hours later, nothing. I just felt nothing. But then I've had, like, tiny little caramels. Dude, blow, I don't know whether up. you've ever gotten high with black guys, but it's normally <laughs> where it goes. <laughs> it's normally how it ends. I don't know where they get it from. <laughs> He's like, yes. Well, when yeah. I was in... California, I, I got a headache, so I went down to the pot store, and I felt better right away. Now, you can't do that because you'd have to go to a doctor first. No, they have doctors at the pot store. Oh, I didn't know this. So there's a doctor oh, yeah. sitting there as a, what you call it, the pot store, because <laughs> pot, it, it is 1974, so everyone talks about pot. 
Get your reefer. I didn't know Florida had medicinal marijuana. He went to California. Oh. Um, There's a store near me, though, that's questionable. Yeah, well, there's always a store where you can walk behind. All right. So now, Polo, I want to try to get you locked in here. Birdman is best picture. All right. Uh, And the best director goes to the Birdman man, right? I'm going to go with that, yeah, because I'd love Okay, that's all you got to say. Now we're back at actor, and you're picking Bradley Cooper? No, I'm picking Redman still. Okay, so you're going to the Redman because he acted like he had uh, polio. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I'm not a big fan of either the imitation game or theory of everything because they took two monumental figures in history and kind of trivialized them in my eyes. But I would agree. That I have all the biopic problems with yeah. with the movie that I saw. But uh, I still think the guy acted gay. The guy himself was good. He acted mm-hmm. like a gay. You know what that, how hard that is, Fez, for a straight person to do. No, it's it almost, should be hard. You're just playing a person. You're playing a scientist. Yeah, but he's like this. This was one of the things that happened mm-hmm. when he figured out how to break it. Yeah. He goes like this. Huh, I did it. You know what I mean? It was wow. like so. I'm like, oh, my God, that's good. That's brilliant. Yeah. yeah but, but he played like a smart gay, like a really smart yeah. gay. And then when they would uh, like they would go away and they would come back into the lab and do look at their experiments. Yeah. But somebody had cleaned everything out. You know, tidy, and they're like, "What happened with those chemicals?" And he goes like this: "I think it turned, so I got rid of them." They were so mad at him. What? What is going on in here? Do we? Okay, thank God. Thought there was a fire in the mountain. Run, oh. boys, run! Oh no! Um, all right, so you're picking. Who did you pick, Polo? Eddie Eddie Redmayne or whatever his name. Eddie Izzard. Let's just say Eddie Izzard oh, and great. give it to him. All right, your best supporting actor. Well, everybody just, that's the uh, consolation prize for Whiplash. Give it to J.K. Simmons. So are you giving it to him? Yes. Yeah, I think it's pretty much inevitable at this point. The rest of the races are, actually. I'm going to give away a spoiler alert, and you might want to turn off the show if you don't want to hear this. When they announce him, they're going to bring him up to whip it by Devo. And it'll be like this. And the Oscar goes to... J.K. Simmons. You're just going to hear, caress that whip. Um, Alex wants to disagree with you, Polo. Mm-hmm. Uh, not so much about your picks, but about your Brian Williams lies. Go ahead, Alex, in New Mexico. How are we doing, boys? Yeah, Polo, you have to be a resident of the state of California to be able to even walk into oh, a dispensary. Oh, And it's illegal Liar. for the doctors to have a dispensary. You don't go to a... You're, you don't go to the doctor and you've got a pharmacy in the front counter. That's what it. That's why Fez yelled, it's Florida. No, what I, was... I did is I go with a resident. He has the headache. And well, that has nothing to do with you, Paulo. You, yeah, you change your story, you Brian Williams. You're the exact same show. as Chris. You had a buddy send it to you. <laughs> go ahead, take your thing. No, you don't I have was to. There. I sat outside just so there was no trouble. Well, you said you know. You said you went in. Listen, you can't lie on a national radio show that goes over I can, every state I in the can country. Throw. Then we wouldn't I let Chris throw. in here if that were true. <laughs> what? Everything Paulo. you say is a lie. <laughs> No. Okay, I lie and I'm proud of it. All right, I know it. Are you lying about the Oscars? <laughs> You're not eating the whole thing. Just take your time. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I had, you know, I had a quarter. Um, 
So now it's lead actress in this uh foregone conclusion. Reith Weatherspoon? No. <laughs> Julie, everybody's going with Julianne Moore. She actually had another amazing performance this year in Map of the Stars, too. So, But can I just point this out about Julianne Moore? I don't know one person who has seen this film. I only saw her on the Daily Show. And I was like, wow, the movie looks pretty fucking intense. Yeah, what is it? What's the movie about? Uh, she's um, a scientist that gets uh, early onset Alzheimer's. Gay scientist? Right. I believe straight. I got it. Yeah. Alec Baldwin is her husband. Kristen Stewart In real life? Because I think he's married to that yoga lady. In the movie. But in it. Kirsten Stewart is actually has a tremendous role and is probably ignored by the Academy this year. So Who I is? think she might get nom- nominated next year. Who are you talking about? Kirsten Stewart is in the, Still Alice, the movie nobody has seen. Well, why would she get nominated for it next year? No, she's getting. She'll probably get nominated for uh, the Clouds of Sils Maria. Can I get year. you to focus on Sunday night? Okay, Julianne Moore will win Best Actress. No, you're just telling us the same stuff everybody does. There is <laughs> no, one pick because... that you've had that I couldn't pick out of USA Today. Well, you see I what I'm saying? I'm not saying mm-hmm. that things can go horribly wrong. This is Paulo. I'm sitting here reading USA Today and ready to give out my picks. Number one. USA Today. (laughs) You're doing the same thing, Paul. I checked with the Vegas bookmakers. Okay, seriously. There's heavy contention for Best Actor, heavy contention for Best Picture and Best Director, but Best Supporting, Best Actress, and Best Supporting Actor are kind of locked. All right, Best Supporting Actress... Who you got, USA Today, Laura Dern and Wild? <laughs> no, Patricia Arquette. And do I think she deserves it? Not necessarily. Honestly, I don't. But that's besides the point at this point. No, you wouldn't give it to Kira Knightley? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't give it to Laura Dern. The, this, here's the main thing. I don't want to give away too much, but Kira Knightley is... All right, I'll just say it, kind of engaged to the gay guy. Oh, right? wow. Like a beard? Yeah. And there's this perfect uh, thing where she kisses him, and you can see on his face that he just doesn't like it. He's repulsed by it. And then a close-up on her, and she goes, Come. Why am I tasting cum right now? <laughs> so good. I mean, this and fucking he- movie <laughs> is so good. I'm going to spoil it, too. He, he actually uh, gets uh, married to her. Uh... I will also uh, point this out. I saw this movie in a drive-in, and it was so fucking good, I just pissed out the door. I was just like, I'm not even... You could miss it. Yeah, I'm not even going to walk miss anything. I'm pissing out the door. That was my review. I said it was so good, you'll piss out a door. Um... Paula, did you piss in a popcorn bucket, or what did you do with it? Piss yourself. No, but I do tend to uh, piss in uh, usually containers that close, you know, so you know. Is that at your house? Um, Actually, at my house, yes. That's not even a lie. Why will you piss in containers of clothes? I... I'm just I'm I'm jar a mason jar is usually what's best. Oh. I don't like them because they can break. If you pee in them and then you drop them, that's a big problem. Now, what you do you do that to save your pee? It's <laughs> precious. All right, let's go over to animated feature, which I almost don't even want to bring up because my favorite 
animated feature this year was not nominated, and everybody yep. knows it, and that's the Flintstones. I, I mean, that I, fucking I, thing was so great. Like, no, they, it, it looked like it's they had Lego. modern things, but there would be like little dinosaurs helping out. A Lego movie. The oh, Lego what are you mumbling about? The Lego movie that wasn't nominated. Yeah, that's one of the movies, but my favorite, Flintstones. Okay. Robbed. Yeah. Now you don't really appreciate your quarter? Yeah, I ate my quarter, but I'm also on like half of another quarter. All right, well, that's you. You're just being hungry instead of, <laughs> you know what I mean? I used to get in trouble for that with my, uh, remember there was like little St. Joseph aspirants? Yeah. My parents would catch me using it as a fun treat. It's good. Like, I could go for something sweet, like, right now, like a handful of aspirin. Well, I eat the Tums sometimes just because I'm hungry. I kind of like the taste of them. What about a Flintstone vitamin? You oh. ever just say to yourself, that's good because you get that metallic kickback, too. I want, I, after the show, I'm going to go buy some something just to yeah. eat them. I, I remember when my mom said to me, when I'm, I'm a little kid, and she goes, would you like some Flintstone chewable vitamins? I go, Mom, all vitamins are chewable to me. They all taste. They all have that awful kick that I love. <laughs> Just so good. Just something to scrunch my face up. Ooh, that's good. I treated everything like a shot when I was a child. <laughs> like, oh, that's a kicker. Woo! Everything but a vegetable. Get the shivers. The licoprin was the best. What? What exactly is that? Because I don't remember this. It was for little little kids. It was liquid aspirin. Oh, loved. Love with the eyedropper. Yeah. Lo- oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you would drop it down and you go like this. More. And your mom, your mom would be like, no, you're a weirdo. Oh, it was so good. Oh, yeah, man. I agree with you. I never had I this. didn't know it was called that. What's it called? It's liquid aspirin? Yeah, liquiprin. They give it to like, kids that are like too little to eat an aspirin, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's just uh, fantastic. There's a picture of Fezzi. Look at the... <laughs> Just wanting more. Same hairline. Uh, this is really funny. When you look at this old school Lickroprint thing, you just see a little kid passed out in his bed. <laughs> he can't even fucking move. Lickroprint. When you want to knock the little bastard out. That is so fucking funny. All right, Polo. So since you're not going to have the Flintstones, what are you going to be picking? Uh, I can't pick the Lego movie, and apparently the odds are, on, of all things, How to Train Your Dragon 2. What? Well, it was twice as good as How to Train Your Dragon. I didn't see the first one. Yeah. Did, no one got my uh, fucking joke there, How to Train Your Dragon. I thought I was, was going to get a big laugh. We'd all do piss humor back and forth. All right, so what are you picking, Polo? Same as USA Today? really have a choice in this matter because all of the nominees suck so bad I can't because even What are care. we doing with him? He doesn't make his own picks. He doesn't bring anything new and unique to the fucking I called game. Birdman six months ago. But, I mean, now I need an upset. Look, I want to okay. give you an upset in animated feature. Tell the Princess right. Kaguya. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, Japanese animation, they love it. Did you see I it or is it. your candy bar kicking in? <laughs> Song of the Sea. Song of the Sea. Song of the South? I fucking love that. Song of the Sea with Brendan Gleeson. All right. Your adapted screenplay is what? Um, I, you know, is that the one that uh, Grand Budapest is probably going to win? I, no. I'm not sure which What would that be adapted from? The fucking imagination? Adapted from Hold on. Fez is giving me a big fucking laugh, <laughs> and then you're yelling out the same thing, but louder. He's yelling out, 
I get the laugh from Fez, and it's milking. I mean, I mean, just, I'm barely getting. He's he's like bringing it out like like it's a cuckoo clock, like huh. <laughs> and then while he's doing that, I'm I'm feeling it build, and I'm giving him the smiles and the thumbs up, like yeah, I got it. And then I hear fucking Chris just screaming, "Adapt it from the writer's brain," which is the same thing. I didn't laugh at that line. I know he stepped all over it. I started to see the cuckoo clock going back inside. No, you got the wrong thing. Here's your picks: American Sniper, Imitation Game, Inherent Vice. Theory of everything, and caress that whip, whiplash. <laughs> well, I'll be honest with you. They got to give American Sniper something. Do you think? You don't I think, think that's so. a shoe in for the whiplash? No, I mean, fuck whiplash. It's such a ridiculous movie. All right. <laughs> but, you know, theory of everything, you know who's fighting for that? Weinstein, right? No, Weinstein's on the other one, right? Imitation game. Yeah. It's the same thing. A gay guy gets sick at the end. Yeah. Well, I mean, truthfully, it is two biopics with British. And, I mean, frankly, these are two hugely important historical figures, and they, I just didn't get it. I just didn't like either one. We understand. Okay. Uh, here's John, Texas. John. Hey there, Ronnie. I had a question for Paulo. Go ahead. You know, uh, Jupiter Sending's out. And I haven't really heard much talk about it. I want to get his opinion. Maybe somebody else who might have seen it. I've seen it. It wasn't that bad. Um, not that bad. It's not enough to drag me to the theater and you anymore. See it in, you see it in the IMAX 3D, boy. You can't get enough popcorn. It's amazing. I just I just. It's a beautiful film to look at, huh? <laughs> IMAX 3D. No, it's made by the Matrix uh, people. That, you know, first of all, to me, they're the best directors because one of them changed from a man to a woman. And you exactly. never have to prove your bravery for me again. Matter of fact, why isn't she bigger than Bruce Jenner? I don't know. I think she's not as, uh, you know, she's not on the E channel. That's a, that's a mistake. That's a mistake that we're all making right now. Exactly. All right, and uh, then we're all voting for Wes Anderson because we love him. Yeah. And um, number one on his whole list, though, da 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 Birdman. da 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 Paulo, did you see this, uh, what's called Aquaman with the five-pointed trident? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you think of it? Well, I mean, I'm a big fan of the Game of Thrones, so I like this actor. I just don't, it does not look like the actor man that I'm familiar with. The, the actor man. <laughs> but, Paul, the actor man? He, no, he's thinking Aquanet. That's where he's fucking lost right now. <laughs> I like the Aquanet. Let out hair products. Hair allowed. You mean like hair products? Revlon. The orange spice. What happened there? Let me point this out. (laughs) Fucking Chris is wearing his hat like he's one of those little fucking blue creatures, Fez. What are they called? Oh, he's a Smurf. (laughs) Yeah, but which one wore their hat just like that? Papa Smurf. Okay, you're Papa Smurf today. I'll take that. By the way, my pop culture is down so far. I just call them the blue creatures. <laughs> you motherfuckers are just a bunch of blue creatures. Avatar? Kids! Blue creatures are on! Hey, when are we going to see a, a Prince Namor movie? <laughs> uh, that died, huh? Nobody wanted to jump in? Nobody. <laughs> 
That was Marvel's low-rent version of Aquaman. If you think Aquaman sucks, Namor sucked even bigger. He had wings on his feet. Well, wasn't there another guy that... Uh... Let me see what he looks like. No, I'm thinking of the Submariner. Or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that's the same guy. That's the same dude? That's his real name, Namor. Well, who would fucking say Namor? <laughs> no wonder I didn't get me when he said Submariner. I would have had a big fucking laugh with him. That's not the way I know him. I know him from the old school guy. How is that anything worse than fucking... Uh, I, don't like the, I don't like the wings on his feet. It just seems even more ridiculous. So it's, that's your it's, biggest it's problem with superheroes. Uh, with, a guy with wings on his feet. With Namor, yeah. But then again, did most I call him Submariner think- too? Like he's a fucking making sandwiches for everybody. <laughs> Come to Submariner. Speaking of wings, you look at Jupiter ascending. Shannon Tatings has wings. Now, technically, you'd have to have wings so fucking big that it would be insane for a man to fly. Right, so- but you but you got no problem with fucking Superman flying around for no reason. Well, he's an alien, Ron. Yeah. <laughs> How does Superman make himself fly, Fez? Uh, because uh, he, he's, we have less gravity on Earth than Krypton. Okay, so how does he walk around like Clark Kent, then? Why is he ac- accidentally float? <laughs> like when you try to walk on the bottom of the pool, and you're like, whoa, I'm doing my best. He should at least have to wear weighted boots. But no one gets mad at that. They get fucking pissed at this guy with his tiny little feet wings that really work great for him. There, there's, no, there's no need for them to just... Oh, they, they're fucking designed this character. Hey, let's oh. put tiny wings. By the way, there's no need for any of these characters. They're In all... Jupiter, they're, none of them yeah, are it, needed. Jupiter Ascending, there are gravity boots, which he sort of uses like roller skates through space. He goes back to Jupiter Ascending one after another. Because the guy asked! <laughs> what guy? 30 Where minutes ago! Where are you? There's okay. no guy around here. The I'm guy, you mean help. Fez? <laughs> I didn't ask about it. A man. Somebody. How are you guys getting along now? Oh, I don't speak to him other than this conversation. No, he. Fez is a giant ball of hate. I already know that. He doesn't hate you, he oh. hates everything. Except one thing. What's the one thing? City I'm not Slickers? telling. I'm not saying anything. This is why I hate him. It isn't yes, why you I hate, hate him. him. Nobody could hate Polo. I, I despise Polo. him. It, it goes without saying, I tried to push Fez, and he hates that. So I will say this. Thing. I've said it before. When you were up here, best week Fez has had on the air... In years. And in your personal life, like as you were getting out and doing things. Remember you got to make the speech at the gay bar? That was something I arranged. Paulo never got off the couch. Why would you say that? Because you haven't made a speech since. That's why we won't believe you. You went to a sex club. Yes. Have you been to a sex club since? No. But again, these are things that Paulo got you out and do. You were experiencing what? Life. Life. And you were like that guy in Imitation Game. When he finally figured out a way to defeat the Nazis and their code. When he goes like this. I've got it. 
So fucking sweet. I, I want Fez to watch a movie that's been nominated for the Spirit Awards, which is Love is Strange. Very interesting movie. He'd love it. Is that uh, based on the Doors song, People are Strange? No, it's John, John Lithgow and Alfred Molina as two elderly gay men. Fez only likes one elderly gay man and an underage boy. <laughs> and he's like, strange is strange. That's his thing. <laughs> it actually shows his favorite diner in that movie, too, by the way. Love is strange. What's your favorite diner, Fez? I didn't know you had one. I'm not telling. What is it? What is it, Paul? Is it the diner I'm I took saying. you to? I don't want to reveal secrets. You're such a fucking asshole. Why? Why? Was because he brings up shit and then uh, refuses to elaborate. But why is he supposed to keep your? Why are you supposed to keep your diner a secret? I have no idea. See, this is the I fucking shit he starts because he's a fucking asshole. What is your favorite, favorite diner? Place. I have no it's idea. In, it's in the movie. I was going to try and suggest that he watch the movie because it's it's it takes place. There. What's the diner, Polo? I would be revealing a, a state secret if I revealed that. Why do you keep this diner so secret, Fez? I'd love to go to it. <laughs> Is it the diner I took you to? Yes. It's not my favorite diner. It's the one closest to me. It's what the, is it? the Waverly Restaurant. You love it, there. Oh, now you can never go there again. <laughs> Oh, I know the Waverly. You know what? They're wrong to use the word restaurant, though. But seriously, it's like one of the most famous uh, diners in uh, in the West Village. Wow. These conversations... It's a lovely place. Greek owners. Uh, here's our buddy, Director uh, Sasha. How are you, my friend? Hey, Ron. How's it going? Good, man. Listen, I'm I'm really torn on this whole Oscar thing coming up, so I was wondering if Pepper could give me the difference again between commercial directors and independent filmmakers. It might help me uh, get my get my ballot done. What's that from? Pepper? It's from RB. It's from the RBI intro we cut yeah. one time, where I described what I thought. Who's going to grab it? What the difference was? It's the greatest them. thing in the entire world. Fez is looking it up now. Thank you. You want him to run over and do a free fest? Yeah, it should be in the 360. It should be in the carts. Right there. Uh, Chris, why do you why do you prefer <laughs> independent film over Hollywood films? I feel that you get different sort of visions in, in an independent film that maybe that's more interesting than in a giant blockbuster. All right there, you heard it, uh, ladies and gentlemen. You get different visions in an independent film than you do in a giant. Blockbuster. <laughs> so, <laughs> you were fucking laughing so hard. I don't That's know why. So goddamn funny. My, my favorite thing in the whole world is when Pepper steps on his own dick. <laughs> now, Fez, that was in all the places it was supposed to be. It. I didn't. I, that's my fault. I didn't recognize the label. Um. You know, Molly sent something yesterday. Why did she send it? I forget. Uh, because we were talking about um, honey, like the honey thing, like people <laughs> do making local honey, like local food purveyors. So this is a uh, this is something when Chris had a news story he wanted to read to us. Uh, and Chris Stanley, you had seen something that you wanted to talk about. 
Uh, yeah, this in Brooklyn, there's a there's like a resurgence in artisanal crafts, like people making small things in a in in people who are start. They're calling it an artisan art, artisan economy, <laughs> is what they're calling it. Okay, it's regular people making small batch products. Okay. <laughs> So, <laughs> what? I can't even believe this is gonna be done. Yeah. So regular people. Yeah, regular people. Yeah, normies. Not super people. Not super people. Right. That's you talk so yeah. good. You talk real yeah. good. Regular That's people. Regulars. Somehow able to make small batch products. Pro- yeah, exactly. They're able to make small batches. Yeah. <laughs> Not a lot comes out. No, it's very small. So what's the new economy called? Artisan economy. Okay. So the way this works is that you could take a regular product that's been out for a while and make it so fine, so refined, that you have something really special in each small batch. Yeah. That's it. Now regular people are doing this? Regular just normies, re- you could also call them. Just regular Joes. Yeah, regular right? Joes. Yeah. Just a lunch bucket, Pete. Sure, they got the, they got this small batch business going down, you know. And then he highlighted it in Brooklyn. But forget Brooklyn. Yeah. Brooklyn is not the important part of this. No, because this can happen with regular people anywhere. Yeah, all over the country. Yeah. <laughs> you got an idea for a product? Do it yourself, and you do it well. Refine it. Refine the idea. Make it uh, great. So when we come back, let's either do like, do you know products like this, or maybe we can even come up with some of our own. You know, yeah, we're regular people. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm a regular Joe. You know, why can't we small batch? I, I take the train to work every morning. Okay, me and everyone else in yeah. New York City. I'm a strap hanger. Yeah, I see it. You got a fucking lunch pail there. Yeah, hard uh-huh. hat on. <laughs> pair of work boots. You're just a regular guy. Fucking wearing overalls right now. I'm just an ordinary, average guy. So, but what's the economy called, Chris? The artisan, artisan economy. Yeah. The artisan. And so this can happen with any product at all. Yeah. And you were bringing this up. <laughs> what? What's so? What's so fun? What? The fact that you felt like you got your sea legs there for a second. <laughs> the, the fact that you felt like you crawled out of that hole and were just dusting yourself off yeah, yeah, and getting yeah. right back into sure. it. Sure, bring it. Yeah. <laughs> Look at Shelby's crying like a girl over there. Oh, the shitter. Yeah, that guy. He's just a regular Joe. You know what I mean? 95. He's just, he's just another knock-around fella, yeah. you know? Yeah. I, cu- I don't know why I don't listen to fucking high society constantly. <laughs> so do you guys get stoned before every podcast? Is that the premise? No, 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 no. We don't get... We'll talk about, you know, marijuana from time to time, but, you mm-hmm. know... No, it says... I don't have to get high beforehand. You're making a mistake, I think, my friend. Maybe I will for next next show. I mean, I'll keep some of this chocolate. You won't get that. You don't keep anything. <laughs> It'll be gone by fucking yes. tonight. <laughs> Your nickname should be Cupboard's Bear because you're not a bear. <laughs> no one can say, hey, Chris, you got any beer left over? It just doesn't happen. I don't know where it went. It's gone. 
because I drank it all. What happened to your kegerator? You just laid under it until finally the motor gave out? Uh, it's uh, After the last keg, it's it's gotten a little beat up. I don't know what happened. Like It's not as cold as it used to be. So, I need, A, I need another keg for it. Hey. <laughs> B, I need to fucking put Freon in it or something. I, I got to get a kegerator repairman. <laughs> I bought a new, like, fucking, some new gauge for it, but that isn't helping. Hey, uh, Sean. Sean, you're on the Run and Fez show. Hey, Ronnie B. I was just wondering why William Shatner's version of regular people isn't playing as the bed underneath Pepper's whole rant. Regular people. Regular people, you know, that fucking big hit. What's the hit? It's, com- it's common people. It's common people, sir, not regular people. But you did give us the idea that we're going to play this fucking cool shit right now. Because why not, Chris? Love it. Love You know pulp. what I mean? Why wouldn't we enjoy ourselves a little bit? At all times, we should be enjoying ourselves. I thought this would have been Fez's favorite song. She studied sculpture at St. Martin's College. That's where I caught her eye. She told me that her dad was loaded. I said, in that case, I'll have a rum and Coca-Cola. She said, fine. And in 30 seconds time, she said, I want to live like common people. I want to do whatever common people do. I want to sleep with common people. I want to sleep with common people like you. Well, what else could I do? I said, I'll see what I can do. I took her to a supermarket. I don't know why, but I had to start it somewhere. So it started there. I said, pretend you've got no money. She just laughed and said, oh, you're so funny. I said, yeah? Well, I can't see anyone else smiling in there. Are you sure? You want to live like common people? You want to see whatever common people see? You want to sleep with common people? You want to sleep with common people like me? But she didn't understand. She just smiled and held my hand. Rent a flat above a shop Cut your hair and get a job Smoke some flags and play some pool Pretend you never went to school But still you'll never get it right When you're lying in bed at night Watching roaches climb the wall If you called your dad he could stop it all here You'll never live like common people You'll never do whatever common people do. You'll never fail like common people. You'll never watch your life slide out of you and dance and drink and screw. Because there's nothing else to do. do. Sides out. 
because everybody hates a tourist. Everybody hates a tourist, especially one who thinks it's all such a lie. Yeah, and the chip stains grease will come out in the back. You will never you will understand, understand how it feels to live your life without no meaning or control. control. And with nowhere left, left to go, go. you're amazed. back with the greatest power trio in metal today that metal show all stopping by ring ring it out for him fez eddie trunk jim florentine don jameson will be here after the break that metal show returns for its 14th season february 21st on vh1 classic at 9 p.m eastern this is the ron and fez show and now ladies and gentlemen ron and fez on raw dog serious xm comedy hits Ron and Fez on Raw Dog Comedy Hits Channel Greatest power trio in metal and hard rock today. Fez, just give us all the plugs right off the bat, man, because these guys are doing all kinds of shit. From that metal show that returns to VH1 Classic tomorrow night at a new time, 9 p.m. Eastern, it's Eddie Trunk, Jim Florentine, and Don Jameson. Eddie Trunk, Jim Florentine, and Don Jameson. There we go. 
Uh, sorry. And uh, they'll be performing tonight at the Starland Ballroom in Sayreville, New Jersey, with special guest Jackal. Oh. Are you guys going to be on stage at the same time? Yeah, we do a whole mixed bag. And tomorrow night, we're in Pittsburgh at the Rex Theater for two big shows. An early show and a late show. Yes. Mm. But uh, no Jackal on that one. Well, Jackal, you know, Jack. have you ever seen Jackal live? No. It's it's like they just do everything like Kiss would do, but they don't get the permits or any of that <laughs> stuff. They just they have chainsaws and pyrotechnics, yeah. and Jesse, the singer, takes out his hog and does the windmill with it. I mean, well, it's crazy. Stand next to the fire exit. We all remember yeah. Great White. Right. So it's all, have all the fun you want, boys, but I'll be standing with one foot outside. No, they don't have pyro, <laughs> but the chainsaw bit, There's you get a little feel in the building from the chainsaw. But they, they're a great band. They are just a yeah. really good southern-leaning sort of kick-ass hard rock band. If people haven't seen them, and they don't play on the East Coast that much, in this part of the East Coast that much, you should go, because they're really good. How fun is it for you guys to take the show at the theaters now? We love it, man, because yeah. you get to meet all the fans, and uh, they're just rabid about the show. This every ninety five percent of people wearing concert t shirts in the crowd. It's beautiful. Well, that's the be- that's the beauty of it is you guys are. It's almost like you're selling beer in a dry county. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> you, if th- they can't ignore you if they like this music. Well, we were trying to. Um, we should be clear with people too that when we do our shows together, they're 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 not TV tapings. They're nothing. They're not what we do on the TV show. Right. When we first started doing this, though, a few years ago i i'll be honest i was a little concerned about it because both don and jim are are stand-up comics and have been accomplished stand-ups for years and they've been doing it for years and that's their world and that's their domain so um i was a little concerned because i'm like what the hell am i going to do you know people are i'm I'm not a comic i'm not going to try to be a comic and how is this going to work for me but we found a, a formula that works really well you know i go up and i talk a little bit to the crowd tell some stories some of them are kind of funny people laugh set up the night Don comes out, does 15, 20 minutes of stand-up that uh, leans towards our show and rock music. Same with Jim. Then all three of us come out together. Uh, we do some Q&A. If there's a guest in the city that we know, we'll have them come up and sit with us, talk for a little bit. And then we end with our Stairway to Heaven, which is uh, a live stump the trunk. <laughs> yeah, we get a hot chick out of the audience. You know, let her be the box of junk girl. And we give away uh, prizes. But you guys have taken this from clubs to theaters now. We've been all over the world. We went yeah. to Mexico with it, and uh, we've done theaters. We've done clubs. Clubs. We've been. We've done. What we yeah. probably. Dick jokes yeah. still work in another language. Uh, right, that's they, good to know. Yeah, they the, translate. The it three goes, of us together, which we probably did what so far forty. 30, 40 shows, right? Probably. Mexico City, the, the crowds were better than the American crowds, laughing-wise. They yeah. were laughing at the setups. That's where I should have filmed my special, <laughs> yeah. in Mexico, Mexico City. City. You had no idea what you were saying. Yeah, but they're just happy. to. Yeah. Those are the guys from TV. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're here. They must be saying something funny. This must be great. <laughs> they, I, there was a, a venue we did the next night in Mexico. It was like four hours from Mexico City. They actually bootlegged shirts of ours, of us, and sold them outside the venue to people. And they were way better yeah. than our shirts. I bought that, three of them. About that metal shell with our picture on it. Because yeah. we didn't know why our merchandise didn't sell. Like well, We didn't sell anything. And then we see these guys with these shirts. Where'd you get that shirt? There was a guy out front. They bootlegged us. I got like three of them. I go, yeah. I want to keep that as a souvenir. Yeah. <laughs> you know, by the way, that used to be the only way that you could get merchandise at a show was bootleggers. And then the bands caught on to it. And I believe it might have been Van Halen was the first band that started to have the bootleggers bust it. Out front. No, Van, what Van Halen did is they, they hired their own guys to be yeah. bootleggers. 
So they put them out there like they were real bootleggers, but Van Halen actually made up the T-shirts. Oh, that's hysterical. Yeah, so then they would they would sell them out there, and then they would just get in a car and drive to the next city and park outside the bank and wait for it to open 9 in the morning and deposit all that cash. Kind of like now, bands scalp their own tickets. Oh, yeah. I mean, bands are in the bands are in cahoots with these scalping agencies. And uh, what what show was it? I just heard about a uh, ACDC show or something that sold out in uh, I don't know, like two minutes, a stadium show or something because it was all bots, some sort of bots yeah. that bought up all the tickets. Well, every pro team is doing the same thing too now. It's ridiculous. So, so if anybody needs tickets to Starland tonight, meet me out in front of the venue <laughs> at about seven o'clock. And you do it old school. Yeah, I got you about all, a dozen tickets. Yeah, you could also get a little bit of angel dust and crystal meth. It's all. <laughs> Right from the yeah. same guy. It makes it so nice. Yeah, in a bootleg uh, shirt from Mexico. Unfortunately, as well as we're doing, there's not that kind of demand. So mm-hmm. for Starland tonight or Pittsburgh tomorrow, people can walk right up and get a ticket the old-fashioned way. So 14th season, what's happening this season? What can you give away and not give away? Well, you mentioned, jokingly calling us this power trio, but yeah. we've got one of the members of the greatest power trios ever uh, to kick off our show tomorrow night, Getty Lee. Getty Lee. Yeah, he's our guest. We shot it on Tuesday, and then uh, Joe Elliott from Def Leppard makes a cameo, and John Petrucci, who's a hero in the Prague community, guitar player in Dream Theater, is our guest musician. So, Sweet. what a way to kick it off. I'm sure Getty Lee is heading to spring training soon, too, oh, right? He's such a baseball fan. I always yeah. would see him at games down there, sitting like in these little stadiums with everyone else, and I think he would even like keep score, like one of those dudes. We're like, oh, stat guy. hardcore. <laughs> and he's doing a film. Uh, he was uh, writing 2112 at the time. <laughs> <laughs> he was charting the music. He's doing a film on baseball, on, on an Italian baseball player. He's actually yeah. involved in a film he just telling me about the other day. So he's way into it. I just saw you uh, guys in a documentary the other night that's playing. Is it on Showtime? Is that where he said it's Quiet Riot. The Quiet yeah. Riot, yeah. How they ran three songs for 35 years and um, still. <laughs> two of them they didn't write. <laughs> two of them they didn't write. And they're still pissed off. That they didn't get more. Uh, but it is, you know, it's funny, but you see the passion of the guys who do this kind of music. Yeah, I I, I was surprised that um, what I thought was so great about that documentary was it was very transparent about how tough it is for bands like that these yeah. days, even with three big hit singles. It's still a big struggle. Yeah, I mean, you see them checking into Red Roof Inns now, and right. yeah, every other week's a new singer. It's like they're not painting it as like this is the heyday and everything was But good. I was laughing my ass off at the singers who didn't learn all the lyrics <laughs> and was leaning up against the fucking stripper pole yeah. singing. It was really, really well put together. That thing was in the can- That thing was on the shelf. Don and I were in that. We did that like three years ago. That thing sat for like three years before it came out. And uh, I was glad that it came out, but I saw it like a year ago. So what actually was on TV was a different cut because I'm hearing about things that were in it that I don't remember seeing in the DVD. Well, I think they went through another seven or eight guys yeah, in exactly. the last... Yeah. <laughs> well, they made a change right at the end because they put it up They put yeah. it up on the screen and that yeah. guy is now fired. <laughs> yeah, and ended with, hey, we found the perfect guy and we're going to go on forever. And then they just rolled the script. He didn't make it. Uh, <laughs> and quite, you know, Metal Health was the first hard rock record ever to go number one on the Billboard charts. Yeah. That was a pretty big deal at the time. Well, that was a big deal, but that was also like their peak and the end of them. It was like one of those things. There's very few bands that crashed and burned as quick as Quiet Riot. Because, but what people see, see, I think Quiet Riot was very much like the, um, to me, the Quiet Riot was the East Coast 
Twisted Sister was the East Coast equivalent of Quiet Riot. Yeah. What I mean by that is both bands toiled forever in clubs. Right. They had huge audiences but couldn't get record deals. Then they finally got the record deal and they had a huge, huge hit and it was over like the next year. Yeah. It, very parallel courses, those two bands. And Randy Rhodes was originally in Quiet Riot, too. Yeah, yeah before know, they... Before, before they he hit, took yeah. the Aussie gig, too. But if you're yeah. a West Coast, if you're like an L.A. person, Quiet Riot was legend for like six years on yeah. the West Coast in the L.A. clubs way before they broke nationally. Same with Twisted Sister in New York. Yeah, and then and then even Dee said in his book, Dee Snyder said in his book, he goes, by the time Twisted Sister was actually over... I basically broke even. Yeah. You know, and then we talked about it on that metal show with him last season. And he goes, he goes, yeah, he goes, you know, and, and the sad thing is I've never done, you know, had a drop of alcohol or done any drugs in my life. So I have nothing to blame it on except right. I just fucked up on my own sober. Well, you know, Kevin and I used to run in the same dark circles after oh. he left that band down in Tampa. And uh, that was some... That was. I, I'm surprised he lasted as long as he Kevin did. Kevin Dubrow. Yeah, you, you used to hang with him. Well, there was the same exact Tampa circles. You know what I mean? The people same, who stayed up for days. Yeah, at a the time. same people that would come in and out, and it was uh, it was an ugly. You know, it was an ugly scene, and that's what kind of cost him his his whole gig with those guys. You know, I remember seeing Kevin the last time I saw him. Actually, was. Um, I host this festival in Oklahoma every year called Rocklahoma, and uh, Quiet Riot played it. I think it was 06, 07, something like that. And it was just when he was kind of getting back into it, and he seemed fine, you know. I, 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 everybody was totally convinced, and even Glenn Hughes, who's in the documentary and is a friend of mine and was, was very close with Kevin, nobody saw him still struggling. I mean, he kind of kept it under wraps in the end. Well, that's what happens. It only takes once. See, here's one of the dangerous things that happens when you get sober. Then if you go back, right, you think to yourself, oh, I'll go back and do a regular thing. But you're, you've got virgin blood again. You know what I mean? So the stuff that you used to do is suddenly lethal. And that happens to a ton of people. you got to kind of smidge it your way back in. That's why Lemmy that. just stays at the same keel for that's, 70 years. That's yeah. helpful. He never, he never yeah. the level never moves. <laughs> right. He just stays on the same plane. Well, that's why he kind of looks like gaunt and like a little sickly now because yeah. he's off his regular routine. They got him, you know, on this healthy routine eating like blueberries and right. all this stuff. And it's like, that's trying to turn like a lion into a vegan overnight. You can't do that. It happens, you know? yeah. But, it think, happens but think about this. I've said this many times. You never heard stories about Lemmy ever being a mess, like fall down, he couldn't walk, right. he was he was walking into a car, he did crazy crazy shit. He's always been at this same. He's found this way to make it functional that just works. The same plane. He the has whole that time. famous thing he says. He goes, "I've never been drunk. I just have one long drink." Right. Yeah, yeah. Have you known guys one drink like a that? day? Yeah. If you run into them at four o'clock in the afternoon or at twelve o'clock at night, they're in the same place. <laughs> I don't know. They just have their rhythm down, so it doesn't move. You know. I did an interview with Lemmy for VH1 Classic before that metal show, and I never forget it. I mean, he, the, 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 my producer's like, okay, so uh, we're gonna have a call time uh, of nine o'clock, and we'll get Lemmy going at ten a.m. And I'm like, you clearly don't know Lemmy. <laughs> he walked in at I'll never 
forget, he walked in at 3.30 in the afternoon into the green room. His only request was a huge bottle of Jack and a bottle of Coke, and he had two strippers on his arm. It was everything you'd want from Lemmy. Walked And, by the way, closed the door and didn't come out until 5, ready to shoot. See, it that's why awesome. I went out of a rock star, too. You know what I mean? That's what you I want. want. I want Keith Richards to stumble into the room, not come in and say, hey, it was a put-on. I love Marilyn years. Manson. Uh, I just yes. went to see Manson a couple weeks ago here in New York. And, and what you see is what you get. We've had him on that metal show twice. He was a mess. But you know what? It's fun to see some guys not so PC and letting it fly. No, I, I want every rock star to be kind of weird. Like, they don't fit into regular life. They don't belong here. You know what I mean? They live in a different place. It's like Van Halen was yeah. the ultimate rock stars. They, if, they, if they found green M&Ms, yeah. it, it was in their contract they couldn't have green M&Ms in, their, you know, in the dressing room or they wouldn't play the show that night. That's rock star stuff. You know? Bands now, they, they won't have M&Ms because they're gluten intolerant and right. have a you know, peanut allergy. You want the promoter to say, we have to put up with these guys. Right. We're going to make a lot of money but they're going to be a nightmare while they're here. That's exactly what the promoters are dealing with tonight at Star Land and tomorrow oh, night in Pittsburgh the at the Rex right. Theater. <laughs> see the segways. That's yeah. exactly all plugs. what no, that's they're dealing perfect. with. That's professional. Yeah. He knows how to work my it first in. rodeo. Yeah, sorry, Mumford and Sons. We didn't get your rice cakes. <laughs> <laughs> Drink a bottle of Jack. Be a man. Be now, Lemmy. Now, Eddie, I'm going to ask you when you look at these guys, who do you think knows the music the best? I mean, you're a radio guy, hardcore. Right, mm. you've been in radio. You worked in record stores, but when you look over here at your uh, at your boys, who's the guy who knows the music? I would say right off the bat, Don knows. Don it. does. Yeah, he knows it better than me. I think we know different stuff. I don't know different. Yeah, different for like, sure. Like Jim will know like the lengths of songs. Okay, which you know, like there's certain like songs he'll he'll go rhyme of the ancient mariner, Iron Maiden, about thirteen minutes forty two seconds. Because I used to DJ, so I I would know right. times of songs. You know, I don't know stuff like that. Well, it's that. either going to be that or Asper. Jim, when you start to know, <laughs> yeah, know. Yeah, it's but true. that's true. I, you know that from working radio. A lot of guys would know. I need three minutes and forty seconds to be able to jump in and grab something. Well, I also there were times I would know the post times too, like how yeah. much time before the vocal started. You'd have twenty seconds to talk it up or whatever. Hell, there's times that I. I worked in a record store for so long that back in the day, before because I'm dating myself now, before computers and all that, oh, the way we reordered records was to write the catalog number down off the spine of the record, and then we would then call those numbers into the warehouse. So I would re I remembered I had memorized like Pink Floyd. Uh, Dark Side of the Moon, Pink Floyd, The Wall, Michael Jackson, Thriller, stuff that you sold just nonstop for years. Every day you'd sell a copy of it. I'd write the number so many times that I had to memorize. 38112, I believe, was Pink Floyd, uh, The Wall. No reason to know that. Isn't it funny, though, that there are some... I agree. No, I know. doesn't do anything for me now. But. There's certainly some of those albums from like the 70s that sold the same amount every year since the 70s. Eagles Greatest Hits is still in the top 10 of the yeah. catalog records. And who doesn't know it already. I mean, first of all, all you got to do is turn on the radio to hear any of those songs at any time. It's a new generation, though. The kids hear from their parents or whatever, and then or they Or it's in a movie, it. and then they yeah. buy the whole thing, or the parents just buy another format because they're too lazy to dig out the CD in the garage. But back to your question about yeah. these guys a second, Ronnie. The one thing I would say, too, is is that I don't that both of them are a little bit, are more into what I call the more extreme side of metal than I am. 
Right. So it creates a good balance. Like Don is open to like some death metal stuff and stuff like that. I'm out on that. I don't You're like docking. it. No, no, not not docking, <laughs> but I'm 70s, 80s. My whole thing is, well, I just told you I love Marilyn yeah. Manson. I need to hear melody and singing. I would love so much more new metal if there was some level of melody and singing. But that's just my personal taste. So it's very beneficial to, that Don right. and or Jim at times will like some of this stuff that I don't because we can cover all the bases. So what you're thinking is a contest. All right, I'm going to put one on here. Let's see who knows the music. Hit it, Fuzzy. No Sabbath. No Man of War. No Slayer. It's time to play Name That Non-Metal Tune. Today, three hosts of VH1 Classics' That Metal Show will attempt to name as many non-metal musical hits on Name That Non-Metal Tune. Whoa. All right, so we're taking metal off the board here. I wish I, I wish we had that kind of production value on that metal show. <laughs> <laughs> was, that, was that produced in high def? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so we just chime in, you any of us. just chime in any time that you know the song and artist. Oh, listen, I'm good with uh, non-metal stuff because okay. I worked in a record store for years. All right, uh, uh, Fez, you are the judge of this. The single Wait, what judge. What are we doing? Are we raising our hands? No, you just yelling it out. You just know what? This out. is chaos. Yeah. We're in the pit here, okay? <laughs> We're enjoying ourselves. I'll be the judge of who yells out first, and I'll be the judge on if you got the exact title and artist. Hey, hey, you, want, wait, wait, be... you want title and artist? Yeah, title, title and, and artist. artist. And there's a prize, because I've been listening to the show yeah. lately. There's been a lot of prizes floating around okay. the Ron Fez show. There will be a prize right. at the end of it. And I'm getting ready. Why, if you're listening, don't you call in, Don? I could use you every day. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need me. Here we All go. right, are we ready let's with go, the, let's first go to the first one? Oh, this is. I thought that was Divinals. I touched myself with the This is modern. This is a new song. This is current. I thought you were going old. There's 600 million views of this song on YouTube. I know Alana Del Rey. Alana Del Rey. Is that right, Fez? Okay. I know this song. I just can't think of it. Nobody? Oh, 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 oh. Uh, Adele? Adele and the name of the song. I don't know the name of the song. I got half. I got half. Never heard, never heard this once. 600 million views on YouTube. I got YouTube. the name at least. What's the name of the song? The name of the song is Rolling in the Deep by Adele. All right, Rolling in the Deep We by don't Adele. get that in Jersey. I get a little something for half from no. the Nomi no. Artists? No. to Fez. Fez, is Fez I got half, half credit? Oh, <laughs> Fez is strict. Yeah. Title Fez and artist that he drunk. <laughs> All right, let's go to uh, the second one. Moves like Jagger, uh, Third Eye Blind. Maroon 5. Maroon 5. Moves like Jagger. Same thing, Maroon 5, Third Eye Fez. Blind. It's the same thing. That point goes to Don Jameson. Oh, I wouldn't have given that because he doesn't have... That's Walk by Pantera. He doesn't have both artists. Doesn't have both right, artists. Right, I had one and he had the other. I had the song and he had the artist. What happens then, Fez? That's Neither, offsetting penalties. No, but there were two different artists on that song. 
I should get a point for not knowing it. <laughs> See, this yeah. is the thing. It's true. Yeah. You could be, your fans will like you best. I'm, I never heard either song ever. <laughs> this has 265 million views, Maroon 5 and Christina Aguilera moves like Jagger. I had the song. What's the song? Do you give out half points, Fuzzy? No, I don't give out half points. Oh, jeez. If you gave out half points, I'd have a full point that right now. That is true. All right, let's go to the third song. You better give out house because you might come up empty across the board here. <laughs> Something 80s with that keyboard yeah. in there. Yeah, it sounds like Phil Collins. Sounds like a prom theme to me. Something like a. Sorry, I've never told you. New Slayer. Now, apparently, this was number one for months. Yeah. What like year? Two and a half months. Early 90s, right? Yep, yes. Two and a half months, this was number one, and none of you guys heard it. Never even heard it. What year? We're looking it up now. Is it like Luther Vandross or something? Luther was already dead, I believe. He had That's choked what I'm trying on, to get the year. Yeah, he choked on a donut. 95. 95? And how many, uh, on Billboard, how many weeks, number one? Uh, it's 10. 10 weeks. 10 weeks at number one. I'm proud that I don't know this. I'm going to say it's, I'm gonna, I don't, I would never know the song, but I would just guess R. Kelly. R. Kelly's a nice guest there. Philip you, Bailey. You stay. All of you guys are in the correct race. This is uh, Boys to Men, Philadelphia uh. and Mariah Carey together. And this is, of course, One Sweet Day. One Sweet Day. All right, we're in trouble here. What's the score, Fez? Zero to zero to zero. Okay, nice. anybody I wish you'd give us these half points, Fezzy. We'd have a game. This is like the NBA East. I want to come in last. <laughs> all right, let's go to four. Eddie Trunk thinks he's got this one. Paul Abdul. Yes. Come on, Eddie. Something like Lover Come to Me? Oh. Or some oh. shit? Oh. Is it something Eddie. like that? Eddie. You just gave Ron the deuce chills. I got half. Again, I got half. God damn it. Give me something fast. Didn't we say title and artist before this all up. started? Nobody's going to know this. Hush, hush or some shit. Oh, God. Oh. He's so close. You're so hush, you're hush. Rhyming. You're rhyming. Some shit. You're rhyming. Hush, hush. What rhymes? You get three seconds. Hush rush. Hush rush. Rush rush. Steals it. Speaking of, Getty yeah. Lee will be on its show tomorrow oh, night from Rush. Oh, yeah. I think an extra point. <laughs> Wait a minute. If Don and I would each get half points, we'd be kicking ass right now. <laughs> Who do you give it to, Fez, if anyone? I'm giving that to Don James. What the fuck? Oh, my God. He gave me the title and artist. He didn't know the artist. I knew the artist. <laughs> well, right, then don't jump in so quick. Oh, yeah. Right, let's go, Chris. Let's go. in here. Let's go to six. <laughs> Eddie's very competitive, though, huh? Oh, this is um, oh, that's Bell Biv I, DeVoe. It's one of them goofy dance songs. Holiday Inn in the middle of nowhere. They put it on right after the comedy show. I've heard this song a million times and it's nobody like dances. They clear the dance floor. We gotta get. We gotta clear the dance floor because yeah. everyone's gonna dance and nobody does. Is it called Hot in Here? Who's the artist? Oh, it's uh, what Nelly. Nelly. Um, I need title and, and artist. artist. Nelly Hot in Here. 
It's not exactly hot in here. More specific, please. Hot up in this motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> it's very close. <laughs> I don't know. This song is hot, every hot. every white girl <laughs> trying to be black feels bad for black people, so they have to like this song. That's what this is. That the right title? What Fez? The, is that the right title? No, it's that not. Shit every sounds like it. Hot every here, white take it off, should be. Every hot white, here, take off all your clothes. All right, what is the title? What is the artist? We every have? white chick in Middle America Nelly, right? that yeah. wants to grind on a guy. Is that it? <laughs> in no. a holiday again. <laughs> Nelly is the artist. The name of the song is Hot and Her. Oh, isn't that an accent? <laughs> no way. Yeah. Hot and Her. Hot and Her. It's getting hot and her. H U R R. Yeah, really? Eddie Trunk, Jim Florentine, and Don Jameson from that metal show are here in hot competition. That metal show returns for its 14th season tomorrow night on VH1 Classic at its new time, 9 p.m. Eastern. Eddie, Jim, and Don are going to be at the Starland Ballroom tonight in Sayreville, New Jersey with special guest Jackal. And the guys will be in Pittsburgh tomorrow night at the Rex Theater for two shows. Our fans are so happy by the outcome of this contest. Yeah, the, the contest is not going well. They, they're so glad we're not getting any of but these. But why don't we uh, plug in Jim's hysterical waiter show that he has online? That thing killed me the other day. Oh, thanks. That was oh, I so, saw that, too. It was it's so what? funny. Yeah, yeah. I got like four of them uh, shot right now. Don's in a couple more, and then um, I'm going to do some more of them after that. Very, very funny. This is like if things didn't work out for you. Yes. This would have been <laughs> that, the, that life, would be my job. the life that you could have had. <laughs> exactly. Very, I was very heading funny that way. Stuff. Uh, I think the Interbang has a link, and then we'll put that out on Twitter as well. All right, Chris, let's go to um, go to 11. 11, see if they can get this one. This is oh, the this thing is Coldplay. Joe Satriani. Coldplay. Viva La Vida. Viva La Vida. Viva La Vida. Oh! That song is called Viva La Vida? I would never Fezzy? have gotten that myself. Viva La Vida. That's what the song's called? And we and we do know that because they stole it from Satriani. Joe Satriani, the great guitar guy, and they and they proved it and they settled, I think, out of court. I think Satriani has to get a writing credit on it now. Yeah. Which he probably doesn't want. Yeah. <laughs> Don Jameson running away with the competition. No, Two points not. to zero to he zero. It's right. like the 72 the Dolphins. Split half and half. This guy's going undefeated. There's no stopping him. I know what's in that prize closet. Yeah. All, the, all Jim or I need to do is get one complete right, and we're going to be tied right now. All right. Well, let's just say that this this one will be worth 10 points. Wow. Then. 10 points. Does that make it easier? Oh, this is no, a, this is big. Let's, let's change it to a million points. Let's wow. change it to a million points. <laughs> All right. So everybody's got a shot. Uh, go 12. Go 12. 172 million viewers on YouTube for this song. Yo, I got that hit to beat the block. You can get that bass on below. Oh, it's... I got that rock and roll. This is uh, the guy from uh, Black Eyed Peas. This is Black Eyed Peas. And the name of the song. This is... Uh... Ah! How can I always get half? <laughs> boom, boom, boom. Oh, yeah, a million points. Sorry, it's not boom, boom, boom. Yes. Yes. Fezzy, what are you doing in boom, boom? It's not boom, boom, boom. boom. Wait. It's not boom, boom. 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 <laughs> Listen, uh, she's I'm saying so it. I'm so sorry. Fezzy, what is it? 
The name of the song by the Black Eyed Peas is Boom Boom Pow. Oh, I always <laughs> ordered that from my Chinese place. It's delicious. <laughs> no million Number points 17. scored. Oh, my God. That's how that, close I am. That was so close. He should have got two and a third. Two and a third on that. I'm not giving him 66, 100,000 points. All right. This is getting uh, tough. This is getting difficult. All right. Now, this one, I think... I'm going to make a prediction that Eddie's going to get this one. Seven. Seven. I remember when we broke up the first time. Saying this is it, I've had enough. Because, like, we hadn't seen each other in a month. When you said you needed space. What? It's a Taylor Swift. Say, Baby, I, I think you would get this because you have kids. Kids, yeah. I do, and I'm, I've never heard it. <laughs> yeah, but you have a son this younger than my His son like Slipknot. Yeah, yeah, it's true. This is the biggest, I would guess, biggest star in the world right now. Yes. Yeah. Um, I know this, this is a huge hit. I know. Um, the chorus is going to come in a second. I don't know. We are never getting, ever getting back together. Bye. Oh! Bye. Taylor Swift. Wait a minute. You see what's happening here? <laughs> Who got it? Who Hold got on. the point? Stop it. Who got the point? I'm doing God, the hard work. I am, Wait I'm, a minute. I'm doing the tough lifting, and this bastard's waiting for the chorus, and as soon as he hears it, he's saying the name of the song. But maybe you should stay silent until you have a complete answer. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, oh, oh shit. Fezzy took him Getting to school. Schooled. But you even did the We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together, which is amazing. It's about Jake Gyllenhaal. Is that the full yeah. name of the song? Yeah, We yeah. Are Never Ever Getting Back Together. That's I'm that's getting that signed Ed Burns book out of the closet. Yeah. It's like a Chris Jericho line. I can't wait line. when we tape the next TMS next week to tell everybody that Don won the Taylor Swift contest. Give me a song amazing. from the 80s and I think I'll be pretty good. A song from the 80s, Anything, Chris? Yeah, I might Anything be, from the 80s. I used to DJ back then so I knew all the, the goofy shit too. Okay. I had no choice. Go a little deep on us, Chris, but you know, we want to make it a hit. We're putting a lot of pressure on him. He's being t- taken off list, Fezzy. And this is before I think Chris was even born. Florentine needs something he used to play at Hunka Bunka when he was <laughs> sure. trying humping or the girls. Or a strip club sure. or yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. wedding DJ. Away, <laughs> That's how I knew the song, how yeah. times of the songs. I used to DJ in a strip club. So I said, if I put a nine-minute song on, I might be able to get blown in the back and get back to the record player. <laughs> That's the only reason I know. Boy, the women love him, right? I so he's a great romantic. You know, a bunch of, a bunch, a bunch <laughs> such of, a romantic. The other day, a bunch of comics were in here, and everyone was saying comics can't get laid, and then they all said, "Well, except for Florentine," <laughs> and that's a true story. I've been retired for a while, but yeah, I, yeah, I put up some good numbers back in. The, but in my twenties, you 20s, retired with the belt. That's I, the beauty yeah. of it. You stay. I was talking about when he was jamming Jim. Yeah, I was like Elway. I went out with a Super Bowl <laughs> yeah. victory. I said it's time to retire. I don't want to embarrass myself. Michael Strahan. Yeah. You can Strahan. see the host. <laughs> you can see the host of that metal show, Eddie Trunk, Jim Florentine, and Don Jameson tonight in uh, Sayreville, New Jersey, at the Starland Ballroom with special guests Jackal. Tomorrow night, the guys will be performing at the Rex Theater in Pittsburgh, PA. And tomorrow night is also re- the return of that metal show for its 14th season on VH1 Classic. Brand new time, 9 p.m. Eastern, VH1.com for more info. They call these fellows the view of heavy metal, and you just gotta love <laughs> how they've been able to keep this together. You're riding that wave, fellas. You're staying on the wave. The wave was down for about a year. This is our first new shows in a while, but we're glad the wave is moving again. So. But, but see, the thing is, people never know when you're not recording because you're on constantly. Because they replay it constantly. Yeah. Yeah. That's the beauty of being on a small channel. Like, we're always on. Eventually, you're going to flip through and see us. Yes, it you know? happens. Yeah, eventually, you're going to show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
So yeah, so no, it's been it's been great. Uh, and on and and all joking aside, I mean, we're incredibly lucky to be doing this as long as we have been, and that we've got a, a channel that supports the show. I mean, I, I always complain that we don't do enough shows a year, but uh, the fact that we're still just doing it is really great. And we've got twelve new one twelve new ones coming, so that's that's awesome. And they're always solid. I mean, I've never seen a music show before with ball busting, and it seems so. <laughs> There's so much ball yeah. busting this week with Getty Lee. Yeah, yeah. And it seems like, oh, why wouldn't that happen? When when you watch most music shows, I've got that uh, coming into the studio with us today, Getty Lee. Getty, of course, you know, but you guys get, are acting like a couple of fellas. Yeah, well, that's it. And that's a big part of, of what Don and Jim bring to it, too, because um, when the show first came together, that was the element that the network was looking for. Mm-hmm. And when they asked me if I had any suggestions, I said, well, I got two suggestions for you. And that's how they came into it. So yeah. um, that's a that, that was a really important thing. And. You really have to, it's a big part of what we do, but you really have to, the shows that work the best is when you have guests that are willing to roll along with you like that, that aren't so super serious, that don't have to just, you know, be so PC and can have fun. And, And we've had so many great guests that get it, you know, guys like Brian Johnson, Sammy Hagar, Michael Anthony, all these guys that just, that you can talk about their career when it wasn't so strong and, and laugh at some of the things they did and they'll laugh with you. Well, what's great too, you get to that point. So you guys are all, and you, you, you make this guy like part of the show and part of the fun, but then you go to the audience and you could say, Oh yeah, that's right. These guys are rock stars. Someone's scared shitless or is just totally excited to be in the same room with oh, yeah. some of these guys. Yeah. And then that, that brings, Brings you back to go, oh yeah, this music is very, very important to people's lives. You well, know what I mean? Give yeah. you both. The, well, the level of geek outness is yeah. so crazy, and I never saw it more than Eddie and I went. To, all three of us went to the Celebration Day premiere here in New York when yeah. Zeppelin did that film, which was amazing. And afterwards, Eddie and I went to the the after party. And it was just such a weird thing to, like, if you were a fly in the wall, you would have seen people at the party geeking out that Eddie and I were there. Wow, the, the host of that metal show are there. Yeah. We're geeking out that Kirk Hammett is there from Metallica. And then, and then Kirk Hammett's geeking out that Jimmy Page is standing five sure. feet from him. So it's this whole chain of geek out. you never get over that thing of when you were a certain age and you saw somebody. That yeah. is your star for life. And then you could forget this about music, is there's always some album that kept somebody alive. You know what I mean? There was always at some point, you're going through some weird age or a girl broke up with you, that you became so dependent on certain albums. And that shit never leaves your DNA. You Mine know? was Ozzy, Dire for Mad. Man, yeah, living down in Florida, I was fucking miserable, and I just put that album on every day before I went to school, especially right. the song "Die of a Madman." Always, and that was a needed thing. It was yep. like a vitamin, whatever it was, that'll get you to the next spot in life. So when you do that with music, those kind of people, no matter what cheesy things they do, they're, ne- they're you, that's still your guy. You know what I mean? For like, for me, yeah, for me, it was um, because, as you said, I've been in the business for for over thirty years. The the guys for me that I get that that stuff from is the anybody that I grew up with in the seventies, right? The eighties guys. A lot of them were friends of mine before they even made it. I kind of came up in the business with them. We grew up in the business together. We were friends, and I've been interviewing them for 30 years, and it's a whole different thing. When I'm sitting there, and it's Tony Iommi, it's Joe Perry, it's even Brian Johnson, Sammy Hagar, um, Getty Lee, people like that. 
that are sitting there next to me, the, the Aero, any of the Aerosmith guys, yeah, th- that's sure. that's kind of like those are the guys. I was a little kid, and I had those posters on my wall, and I'm like, even though we're all on the exterior very cool about it, those are the guys on the inside. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, I did something with the Aerosmith here, and uh, that you would just look up, and then you would, but while I'm talking to him, I would think this would have, <laughs> that's fucking fun. What a beautiful moment for that. This is all we get when we're around, Jim. Sorry. This is all that we deal You're with. You're not sorry, Jim. No. The, He's gassing at the studio. It, dude. You yeah. leaned into it. Ronnie is telling a very heartfelt story about Aerosmith, and you forcibly pushed that and lifted your cheek right Look, in the middle of his moment. If I can get Ronnie B. to laugh like this, I feel like I did my job for the day. That, unfortunately, 30 Bobby, years as a comic, and that's what it takes <laughs> for your foot. I know. Isn't, that, isn't that true, though? That, oh, my God. Yeah. That's still your best material? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've seen him on my shows. He didn't really crack a smile, but there I got him. All right, Chris, Sorry. you're going to give an 80s song. I got one right here. All right, let's see if we can get this. This will be worth 10 million points. Title and artist. Fezzies. Fezzies is stuck there. Bon Jovi, Don't even mess with me. Bon Jovi, Bad Medicine. I think he got the bad medicine out first. Now, Chris, why would you go to their format? This isn't this isn't metal. Oh. I just saw Bon Jovi on a Light FM poster, so it's Bon Jovi it's, fans. No. It's year one. We played you that still for have years. That drop. Disqualify yes. that. Disqualify yeah. that song. Bon Jovi. Of course, fans. disqualify because I got it right. Yeah. By the way, Def Leppard Pyromania is that album for me. It was the first album I ever finger banged a girl to. And I could still, like, if I put my finger up and I listen to the album, I could still have her scent in my nose. That's a beautiful story. Hold on. Let me. (laughs) (laughs) Now, are you wiping your eyes because of my gas or his story? It finally got here. It finally got here. It's fucking World War I in the trenches. What a charming group we are. You really are. We are a charming group. You can't do that on TV, though. Do right. what? Oh, we, of constantly. Oh my God! Constantly, constantly, and just before one of us has to do a line, he'll blow something out, and it yeah. breaks the whole thing. Yeah, we'll we start the show it. like the opening of the show. Oh. Okay, ready? Eddie has the first line. Five, four, three, two. <laughs> right, and then he's like, <laughs> I've been in an elevator with him, a packed elevator, and he just does it, and just like no issue, and just stands there like he didn't do anything. And I just look at him, and everyone discusses it. I go, "I'm sorry for my friend," and they think it's him. It actually does. You look like the one who did do it. Yeah. That's the thing. Um, So everybody in the everybody in the studio audience knows it, and then you've got to start the show. Oh, everybody hears it. It, We've done over a hundred episodes of the show, and we probably had those moments three hundred times. Yeah, I mean at least three a show. You have that picture on your phone just from rehearsal on Monday with Eddie with the shirt. Oh yeah, I mean I have hundreds of pictures (laughs) with holding my shirt with his shirt up over his nose like Billy the Kid robbing a bank. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We've had stage managers quit. Just because backstage we're just gassing so badly, and they have nowhere to go, and they got to stay in the smog. I don't need this, and they're out, right? Yeah. They'll be my, the, the the audio guy will be micing them up. So you got to get close and under yeah. the shirt yeah. and all that, and just just gas them out. It's insane. And they're going. They don't do this at Doctor Oz. Yeah. No. <laughs> hey, Chrissy, did that uh, did that medical candy kick in for you? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it did. did it just yes. a little though? Yes. Yeah, yeah. The listeners send them stuff from all over now. Really? Like yeah. heroin pops? Uh, not heroin, but uh, I'll just say this when it comes to weed. Real weight. Serious fucking weight. 
enough that we got to go, you better get that out of here. You know what I mean? Like, uh, really? Yeah. I'm right. really actually. It's actually now that you're talking about it, I feel I'm. Really it's kicked a lot in a little bit. Fucking higher. Yeah. Where we'll actually say you better Uber that shit home and not take the subway. <laughs> That's a good idea. I had the app. The Uber <laughs> app. Yeah. <laughs> uh, coming up in just a couple minutes, it's an unmasked with Dan Aykroyd. Nice. Dan wow. Aykroyd. Dan gave us a story that went all around the world too, because he says he's still going to do the other Ghostbusters. All you got to do is say Ghostbusters. Rolling Stone picked it up, and England. We got Russian things. He's not making another Ghostbusters. No. Bill Murray doesn't want to. But that doesn't stop the papers from running with it, you know? Are you guys always looking for that story for one of your guys to drop that no one's heard? Because some of these guys have done, you know, interviews for the last 35, 40 years. How do you keep it fresh? Well, you have to, as far as trying to get that sort of uh, exclusive moment, it's hard to do because we're, we're, we're operating on a delay. Oh, yeah, that's right. You know what right. I'm saying? So it's not, in radio, I can get, grab that a lot. Yeah. But, because it's, as you know, immediate. Uh, you can, but, but in TV, you know, we, sometimes now we operate at about, what is it, a five-day delay. Yeah. From we tape on Tuesdays, people first see it on Saturday. Back when we were doing the show in L.A., we were doing uh, 12 shows or 10 shows in four days or eight days. We'd, we'd double everything up. So, so people would see a new episode that we may have shot as, as long as three months ago by yeah. the time it aired. So sometimes stuff could get dated very quickly. But when I talk to somebody... I like to just start talking to them. Sure. You know, I don't. I don't get in. I don't rarely even read the the prep or anything like that because I know what's going on, and yeah. I have a great benefit in doing this for so long that I know them and I know them personally. I know maybe some things, even their publicist doesn't know, and things that I can get away with. Uh, but you're not looking. You're not even leaning on them to go into stuff, right? You're just looking for a conversation. Well, sometimes if there's like a slash on the show, you, yeah. you know, we've got to bring up the Guns and Roses. You reunion. can't get out of that. You have to, you know, usually throw that out. Vinnie Paul from Pantera, is there going to be a Pantera reunion? You have to throw that one question out. And even even this Saturday on the show, Getty Lee, I think this will be for the first time that people will hear, is he, he answers the question, is this the final tour? So Dang, that's, that's the that, first thing when I go right at him. With as soon that'll as be uh, down, yeah. right. That'll be that'll be breaking news. And this is a band that pretty much has never stopped touring, right? Since the beginning. I mean, that band has always been on tour, always had an audience, and to shut that down is it seems strange. Yeah, but time stops for nobody. And I mean, the, these guys. I mean, the guys in Rush. I've gotten to know them really well in like the last, I'd say, twenty years. And they are, they are really nice people. They're really normal people. They're really grounded. Um, they just, they have great senses of humor, very dry sense yeah. of humor. And they're not going to play the farewell tour card. That's not in their style. They're not like that. They'll just quietly sort of drift away. They're not going to sign a contract like Motley Crue and have a press <laughs> conference and every 50 year old stripper in America will shed a tear that day. And yeah. And they, they actually, um, are in a unique situation because they have a fan base that is so unbelievably loyal and passionate and rabid about what they do. Sure. It doesn't hinge on whether they have a hit or not. It doesn't matter. They can make a 20-minute song and people still love it. They can make a three-minute song and it, it all works. So when they put a set list together, they can pretty much play whatever they want. And this tour, which could be the last tour, is celebrating their 40th anniversary in their 41st year. Because last year was their 40th. Mm -hmm. And they took the whole year off 
So, and Neil Peart, their drummer, just had a new baby, so he wants to be home a little bit more. So it could be the end. Who His knows? fans are the are the most annoying people in the world. The air drummers who try to <laughs> hit it exactly. There's no one worse. I don't. You think. go to a rush show and all you see is people playing air drums. Yeah, and but it has to be exact, and it's, it's something <laughs> they they'll stop each other, yeah. and you're just like, just enjoy, yeah. please yeah. enjoy. <laughs> stop turning this into math. <laughs> <laughs> and the other good thing in our rush show too that Jim got uh, got in, which is a good thing he remembered it because it was it was definitely something I haven't heard discussed before. Was you know when they finally went in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame a couple of years ago, Alex's speech, yeah. blah 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 blah, and the story behind that, and if the other two knew if it was coming, and we get that from them. Well, in the that show. was one of my favorite things ever. A to see the way their fans felt about them going in because those people went crazy of something that shouldn't, you know. It's it's kind of a, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is made up to me. It's not real, but to see people go at the end of it, oh wait, this gives us finally—you don't really have a chance to celebrate an entire career. Often, you know what I mean. It's almost that weird thing. So those fans were going crazy, and then those guys were went up and were just very Canadian. You know what I mean? Bizarrely <laughs> Canadian. It was a really funny, fun night. Yeah. So we'll get to the bottom of what that blah 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 thing. Yeah, that's reason enough for me to watch because that went on way too long, way too <laughs> yeah. long. How long that bit last? We day. actually are doing some thing now where we're doing like a, a short little after thing where we're shooting a segment just for online. Uh, that'll be a bonus thing each yeah. week, and we shot that. And Jim brought it up because all of us had forgotten about it. So, but when I when I remembered that um, it was in the after portion of what we did, I called our producer and I said, "You got to get." Jim's thing about the hall, we got that's got to be in the main portion of the show, right? Because that's too good for just the online thing. Because that that was something I was curious to hear about. How long have you been doing the online thing? Well, they've always had a bunch of extra yeah. content online, but now they're just trying to make it a little now bit it's more organized formalized, and, yeah. and we'll see. You know. Yeah, I mean, when Rush calls it a day, finally, millions of men and four women are going to be very disappointed. <laughs> and, we, and the women look like Rush. And we should mention, Ronnie, real quick yeah. on the online stuff, because we do hear from people that don't get VH1 Classic, or they don't want to pay the extra to get it, or the carrier doesn't have it, or whatever. You can see all of our shows on the internet as they air. They put them up about two days after they premiere, so like the Monday after each weekend. You can see it free online, and the website where all the shows and the extras are, it's thatmetalshow.vh vh1.com so yeah. for people out there who haven't seen our show or don't get vh1 classic online that metal show.vh1.com you can see the episodes and you can see the extras well you know you see all this stuff but these guys really i think it would be great to do a show once where you don't bring out a band or mention music and see if the show would be just as funny if you're talking about the giants or tv i've, or I've said many times i want to do a show yeah, with no, no guest at all yeah. just the three of us yeah. i've said that and we almost had to do that last year because because um, we had a snowstorm last year when we shot, and we almost couldn't get anybody there. And I, but I, at some point, would love to do a totally guest-free show, just the three of us be the three tools that we are. I love it, man, because you guys could, uh, you could, you guys could talk about anything. First of all, Fez, before you go out with the plug, what did Don Jameson win as the champion today? How did he win? He got. Uh, he just never gave up. Yeah. He just never gave up hope. The final score was Don Jameson three, Eddie Trunk zero, Jim Florence. Zero. And for being the first ever champion of Name That Non-Metal Tune Game Show, we have a very non-metal prize for you. The Greatest Hits, signed by Neil Sedaka. Whoa! <laughs> yeah. I'm going to give that to my uncle. Wow. Nice. Nice.
You know what? Hold on and let's see how long Neil lasts. That's true, that, yeah. That could really get you a couple bucks the week he dies. Is Neil in ill health? Oh, uh, no, he's just in the how right decade. Neil he, well, you know, he was around in the 50s, so, you know. To me, he'll always be young and beautiful. <laughs> Vibrant. <laughs> Thank you. Like yeah, a true champion. Beautiful. Thank you, Fezzi. Yeah, well, what, you know what? Have that put on a belt and wear it around like a championship belt. <laughs> Fezzi, the plugs, and then we're going to go on to uh, Dan Aykroyd, Unmasked. That metal show is back for its 14th season tomorrow night at its new time, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 Central, with special guest Getty Lee and your hosts, Eddie Trunk, Jim Florentine, and Don Jameson. They'll all be out tonight at the Starland Bar Room. Ballroom in Sayreville, New Jersey, with special guest Jackal. And tomorrow night, it's the Rex Theater in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, with Eddie, Jim, and Don from That Metal Show. Great stuff, guys. Congratulations on 14 years. Thank you, guys. And we'll see you back here soon. 14. Why does it say 14 seasons? 14 yeah. seasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seven yeah. years. It just feels Seven like 14 years. years. Yeah. yeah. I was hoping for a toaster. It smells a lot longer now. Look, he's doing it again. <laughs> no. Oh, look. He didn't have it. He didn't have no. it. No. I only, I only usually keep one in the chamber. <laughs> you know, there's real quick, for a very what's really funny, moment. you know, I'm a huge, we're all huge Dice fans, and these guys go out and open for Dice, and they tell me that these, the only person they can't do this farting shit around is Dice, because he gets mad. He doesn't well, he really like it. Yeah, it, we have to hold our farts in. Yeah. yeah. He don't like I that. love that. He I love Dice even more. <laughs> Who would have known that about Dice? Out of everything. You didn't cover that yeah, when you did the master right. I him. fucked up. Yeah. I fucked up. Plenty of ventilation at the Starland Ballroom tonight. <laughs> <laughs> See you guys back here in just a moment with Dan Aykroyd. Thanks, guys. Show. Ron and Fez on Raw Dog Comedy Hits. Channel 99. This show is available on Sirius XM On Demand. Go to SiriusXM.com slash On Demand for details. Ron and Fez on Raw Dog. Raw Dog. Comedy Hits. Channel 99. Dan Aykroyd, everybody. Thank you, sir. Thank you. So how was your weekend? We don't uh, get to hear much about the... Uh, well, you know, it, 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 it was an honor, uh, just a privilege and an honor to be a part of that group and uh, to have uh, participated with so much talent in, in recognizing I don't, an institution that I don't think exists anywhere in the world. No. You know, 40 years of consistent humor and satire and talent and, and, and breakout talent, uh, over the years. I mean, I, I don't know, uh, you know, any other institution in entertainment that has that longevity and that endurance and, and has maintained the quality. Well, it's, it's been phenomenal, but the way to see the funniest people of the last 40 years look back at the first cast oh, yeah. is phenomenal to see, you know, that, that you guys, that first cast are the Beatles. And everybody found that is going like, well, what would the Beatles do right now? You know. Well, uh, we 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 uh, we were the shoulders that everybody stood on. But look, but look what they continued. Look at the legacy, sure. you know, and and the work that's been done in the last, uh, uh, you know, just five years even. And then the, the whole like, you know, when Chris Kattan was there, that whole cast was yeah. wonderful, and Farrell and and uh, Phil Hartman and. 
you know, all these the people that I loved to watch after I'd left, uh, you know, really, really, really held the quality up and the, the absurdity in the writing and uh, quarterback every every few seasons. But what a gift that must be to have in your life to be able to go back there. And, it, you know, it's like going back to college or high school, you know, yeah. and, and, and and, you know, seeing the halls and the old teachers and remembering the ones who are, were there and, and the ones who are not. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, that is the thing that you cannot look back at that show without thinking about the people who aren't there anymore. Any institution. Yeah. You know, any, yeah. But particularly, you know, to look at that and it makes you remiss those. Oh, I, I, yeah. When, you know, when they have the reminisc- reminiscences there at the end, I, I thought, of course, about Johnny and then my friend Tom Davis. We wrote so brilliant. much stuff. He was fun. Brilliant, he was a brilliant sweet guy. guy. Yeah. You know, uh, Tom Davis sat down and did this show with me, yeah, uh-huh. and he was so amazingly funny and so amazingly open about everything. And I, I sit back and think about that and go, I don't know if I've ever met another guy. He wrote a book, does. 39 Years of Short-Term Memory Loss. Phenomenal. You know, it is. Freely admitting that, yeah. uh, you know, he had taken every substance. Right. And, uh, but, uh, you know, he, he was, he, you know, he, he uh, had a, 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 you know, a, a demise that wasn't too painful, but... Uh, you know, he went out too early, too early. Oh, absolutely. And he, of course, uh, loved you and admired you so much. Oh, he we, had that of, up in we the, had a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. In the book. But yeah, uh, missing uh, John that night and missing Gilda. But again, how many people are still remember? I mean, their bits are known by children today. You know? Who may grow up and become yeah. improvisers and writers right. and producers and may go on to their own careers and... Uh, if that if that's what we've inspired, then it then it's all been worth it just for that, eh? Fantastic! It is a great, yeah. it's a great, great legacy. But you know, you had your life pretty well wired before you even went and did Saturday Night Live. I mean, you were doing it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you had a rock club. You had a lot going on. Well, I had my little speakeasy there, my little after hours club. I had a radio uh, commercial business with Dave Thomas. Uh, I was at Second City. Um, and I was on a series at CBC, a, a kid's show, mm-hmm. and I had a nice life up there. But, uh, you know, when Lauren offered the opportunity to come and audition once, twice, thrice, four times, five times, I did all four or five, uh, five auditions and, uh, and then waited for the call. And then, even then, he wasn't sure because I had met John before that, and John and I came to town together here, and, and Lauren was a little hesitant, you know. He's already... <laughs> Oh my, these guys are coming right in and they already have something cooked up. So, but he decided to go for it. I think it was Gilda, Franken, and Davis that talked, uh, talked Lauren into hiring me. Boy, he couldn't have been more right about you and Belushi, too. That's a funny thing. We, yeah, oh yeah, we, 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 we provided some grief there, but we gave, we gave, you know, we gave him, we gave him what uh, ultimately he needed, you know. Just, when that, when that show started, did you expect stardom to come out of it? Did you expect the hit show? Wasn't really looking for that. Was really looking for kind of just a regular writing gig uh, yeah. that would go week to week and hopefully an enduring uh, program that we could all participate in. Uh, and, uh, and I mean, I never thought it would go longer than, than 10 years. No one did, but now here we're, we're at 40. So it could, could be another 10 years. When, the, when did you think, uh, okay, this thing is working. This is going to work out. The first night. The first night. Yeah. Yeah. The first night. Once, uh, once those first words were spoken, I want to feed your f- fingertips to the Wolverines. Yeah. <laughs> And the audience reaction, and then the whole thing, and then and Carlin's mastery of, of of the monologue and the way it went forward, and all the sketches worked, and 
you know, it's just I felt, you know, we got something here. But Lauren wisely uh, uh, told NBC that you you you, you got to have seven, not one or three. You got to order seven of these. So he mm. had seven to prove himself. And by the seventh one, we were we were on our way. Yeah. You know, they just showed that the other night, and it's amazing how much of was formed by the time in that first episode. It's true. When, when yeah. you look at it, it looks like Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Uh, the, well, the format was really established by the comedians in the 50s, the Colgate-Palmolive uh, uh, Comedy Hour, the Sid Caesar Show, your show of shows, uh, the Milton Berle Show. They, they you know, defined the in-one-studio variety sketch format live, and uh, and really we were just always following that template. Um, you know, the Muppets lasted, I think, the first season, a right. little in the second season, <laughs> yeah. and then, uh, I think Lauren made an appeal to Bernie, uh, the, the, his manager and the managers, yeah. uh, of the Muppets that, you know, maybe we were going to go for, uh, the eventual show it became without, without so much Muppetry, but, uh, you know, the Muppets were part of the beginning of it, sure. and and uh, and in fact, a lot of the Muppet audience came to us, and uh, and they're responsible for for the initial viewership, which which kept the show going in that first couple of years. It's uh, you know, you had Albert Brooks doing films, and you look at the show now, and there's always a film in it somewhere. Chevy's news piece was lined up almost the way it is mm-hmm. now. I mean, it was almost a a done show. That first one, and it didn't. I, I didn't remember it that way until I just watched it the, the other formats, night. Right, it's yeah. hard to deviate from, but, yeah. but what's great that as what has opened up in in terms of the categories, we recognize the political humor, right? Uh, the the sports humor, um, the the three minute television scene, the the fake commercials, and then the 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 film submissions, yeah, uh, and the music and the music, so, the music, which so much, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I I saw a bunch of stuff with the after party. And uh, the musicians. That was just, burning, man. Yeah. Burning. And you're on stage with Paul McCartney. Which... Well, you know, I saw, I was at the after party and, and, and I saw like the room was starting to, like the disco music wasn't like keeping people moving at the rate it was when I walked into the room. And I looked around and I felt, I got to do something. So I hopped right up on and I said, is there a bass player in the house? <laughs> He comes up, you know, and then I brought uh, I brought Elvis per- Elvis Perkins up. Some of you wow. may know him as wonderful artist, uh, uh, a songwriter and singer who's got his own following now in the world. And I, I brought him up for rhythm guitar. Mark Shaman came up, okay, now and then Jimmy come on, and uh, and then you know we uh, we we went into Born in Chicago, mm-hmm. and uh, and then Jimmy heard Roadhouse Blues and came. We sang that. Then I brought it to back down to Born in Chicago. Yeah. Ended that, and Taylor Swift was there and. She was about to do her own song, and there was some confusion. And I said, "Well, you're here with us now. Let's do this one first. And and then we went into the Beatles tune. You know, Sarah standing there with breaks all around. My yeah. friend Paul Allen, you know, who yeah. not only besides owning the Seahawks, founding Microsoft, <laughs> and funding brain and research and saving basically, you know, ten million trees on the planet, is also one of the wickedest guitar players alive. He's opened five House of Blues for me with his band. <laughs> I wouldn't put him up there just because he's a friend. The man can play, and uh, he probably was one of the best guitar players in the house and so i had him up there you know uh jamming and uh and then it was just a great night and then eventually miley cyrus prince came on the b-52s so it was it was just a standard after party jam (laughs) yeah (laughs) well that's the thing you you got a guy that since he was a kid has known how to run uh an after hours club you know how to pull people together right right we don't know we don't do anything alone we always have collaborators and right. you know i had uh i had theo spielberg who's the uh, young coordinator for the 
for the Saturday Night Live show uh, music, you know, urging me to get up there and let's get it going. He said, I've got the back line here. So together we kind of cooked that jam up. Whenever I was doing parties at, uh, at the 505 Club, it was with Marcus O'Hara, who was Catherine mm-hmm. O'Hara's brother, and John DeVicus, my old uh, college buddy who designed all of the Ghostbusters, uh, the logo, the little moogly with the, with the international prohib. That's his design. And the Ecto and all that. We, we went on to do that. And we ran that, that club, man. And people would love to come to the 505 after one o'clock because there's all something going on. Great music. It was the place where John and I met. Really, and cooked up the Blues Brothers, listening to the Downchild Blues record straight up, and uh, a lot of things happened in in these clubs. Then we had the the after hours clubs at Saturday Night Live on yeah. Hudson and Dominic. We'd have these parties. I I was I, I wanted to rent a, a a space for my motorcycle, and I saw this three hundred seventy five dollar bar that was for rent with you know no license or anything but I, yeah. this is perfect for the harley and then i looked around and realized well we can have some parties here so we for the throw up you know until yeah. i left snl we had that and uh, and great jams we had there wonderful jams yeah well that goes to show you how different new york was at that point that you could get something like that yeah for no no, no. For, forget that now that's yeah. a that's a frank gary high rise <laughs> now i think i think it's still there actually yeah. that building but it's overshadowed by it. but the parties that you threw in that place mm. after the show some of them are more legendary than what happened on the show that uh, many night. many times yeah, yeah we had a lot of artists because cz top the stones uh, bowie uh uh you know uh, a lot, a lot of people came. Paul Simon. Everybody played on that little stage we had in the corner there. And you're in your twenties. Why this is happening, right? You were. The, I was. Uh, uh, I, I I just turned twenty three that summer when I when I was at SNL. Yeah. This is a ridiculous life you've led, Dan. This is cheating a lot of other people because I feel like you've had all these great lives and careers. Well, and again, you don't do it alone. You know, yeah. it's, it's all in collaboration. You know, and that's what that's what the, the the point is. You get to work with just great people, and they make yeah. you look good. You make them look good. The totality of the thing looks good, and and you know, you walk away and satisfied. You know, in seventy five percent of the cases that you've done your job. You know, well, even like you said before, you even came to New York. You met these extraordinary people, and we're working with them. And then you guys were, you know, bringing great blues artists up into Canada where I don't even think there was a lot of appreciation for them in the States at the time, right? Well, the Some Newport these... Jazz Festival certainly uh, yeah. uh, exposed people to uh, people like, you know, to, to Skip James and, and John Lee Hooker a little more than they had been. But there was a circuit when I went to college, Carleton University in Ottawa, Canada, in the late 60s. There, well, there was a circuit there of, of sort of like Chicago, Toronto, uh, uh, Ottawa, Montreal. And so I was able to see as a kid... James Cotton, Otis Rush, Otis Clay, uh, Charlie Musselwhite, uh, Paul Butterfield, uh, Elvin Bishop, uh, I mean, uh, John Lee Hooker. I saw Chester Burnett, Helen Wolf a dozen times. I wow. jammed with Muddy Waters one night. And this is as a high school kid, you know, and, and that just, that just stayed with me. That, uh, yeah. that little nightclub and, and, and all those players. I saw, I saw the best of the best coming through Buddy Guy. Everybody came, came through those clubs. So there was kind of an appreciative circuit. Uh, there for 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 a while that was consisted of U.S. and and Canadian gigs that kept those players going and then uh, Newport Jazz was was a big breakout for for them to reintroduce them to new audiences. But you also got that's I guess where your head for business came in in those years that. Uh, well, I, the, no, the 505 was not in a for-profit enterprise. <laughs> uh, we broke even there. Uh, it was to pay the rent and all yeah. that and. Uh, it was only when we started House of Blues that I began to uh, 
you know, kind of understand what, what brackets mean in a statement. <laughs> not a good thing. Not a good, no, thing. Not a good thing at all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when you're with SNL and you and John, oddly, we just start to see these two guys as a partnership. Because uh, no, you did sketches differently, uh, you know. We thought of ourselves as a partnership, certainly for the the Blues Brothers and and, and other things we did. But I, I, John was all he was a solo superstar. I mean, right. he he was always going to do his own thing, you know. And and, and we felt we could fuse our relationships, kind of like Franco and Seth Rogen, you know. Right. If you looked at them today, you know, they do separate things, but that together they're great as a team. But they're not reliant upon upon each other. And, uh, and and I think that's how we operated at SNL, you know. Well, there were a lot of people with SNL that apparently had jealousies about different things, but you didn't roll that way, right? I don't know. There was really not. I, I admired my perf- fellow performers so much. I just loved seeing them work, and I, I enjoyed their work. And I, I was too busy to be jealous about anything, you know. Yeah. And I and uh, sometimes, you know, writers would, you know, allow oh, I didn't get my piece in, or some people would be disappointed. And, you know, I'd always say, look, well, we're, we're here next week. Believe me, we're here next week. So, and we're here the week after. So, and the week after. So it'll, it'll, it'll get on. It'll get on. And we, we, we all, we encouraged each other. We really did. Well, the, a lot of those stories, I think, get forgotten. Some of the, you know, camaraderie. Um, it was, well, there was, you know, there were rivalries. There were frictions. Yeah. There were, but, but in, in the end, you know, you're all part of that same team and, you know, you got to make the other person look good. But you knew before you even got to SNL, you knew Bill Murray, you knew uh, Gilda, Gilda and, John. Yeah, uh, yeah John but, Candy, and I knew John Belushi as well. Yeah, two years before. So you're already a part of this web even before you meet Lorne Michaels. Did? Well, it's the Second City. Um, yeah. Well, no, I met Lorne prior to getting into Second City. So I met Lorne in 1968-69. Uh, wow. So I knew him before anybody. Yeah. And he hired me uh, with Valerie Bromfield, my partner at the time, to do a special on CBC uh, called The Great Canadian Humor Test. And it was a, the government presents <laughs> through the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, The Great Canadian Humor Test. You, as Canadians, will be compelled to answer nine questions, you know. And, and, and he had to use the whole government, you know. That, that It was a government agency, which CBC yeah. is, you know. Finding out about, about Canadian humor, how to change it and how to improve it, you know. And I, I think I played old men throughout the whole thing. I, I played I played 60-year-old men through the whole thing. And you're like 17, 18 years 19 old. 19 years old, and, you know, and I'm playing, you know, yeah. And so that's when Lauren met me and sort of thought of me when it came time to do the the show. And so all this stuff between you guys and the Lampoon guys, it's all bubbling. Yeah, Second City, Lampoon, yeah. uh, Groundlings, The Associates, uh, uh, you know, uh, all, all of it was sort of, you know, it came out of the the improv theater that was founded by Viola Spolin and Paul Sills in response to a WPA request in the 30s. The Works Progress Administration, among other things, building bridges and roads and amphitheaters. They also had social programs in the inner city. And a large part of improvisation, besides being related to Pirandello, Commedia, dell'arte, and some of the mm. earlier, uh, you know, medieval forms of, of European c- comedy, uh, it, it came out of the WPA program for inner city healing. Basically, we'll go into the inner city, we'll kind of try to solve crime and uh, and problems by getting people to play each other's roles. 
So they would go in these exercises and they do these wor- workshops funded by the government where they get some gang members and a priest and, a, uh, uh, you know, and a, and a couple of cops and a social <laughs> worker. And now you're all going to play each other. You're going to be you gang member. You're going to be the cop. You're going to be the gang member priest. You're going to be the nurse nurse. You're going to be the priest and you're going to work out your, your problems and a solution. That is where modern day improv really has its roots in America. But, you know, from a socialist uh, a program that was part of the New Deal. And that's why I guess it always has to be somewhat social or political at oh, all times. Oh, it is very socialist, yeah. uh, the yeah. uh, the improv community, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think generally uh, uh, you're not going to find too many, you know, Republican or, or right-wing performers uh, doing improv. You're going to be <laughs> solidly in that Chicago Democrat uh, left of center uh, view. And uh, I think, uh, you know, that will be, that'll be the dominant uh, for years to come. That all because of from where it started. Well, from all, where it started, yeah. yeah. Chicago, of course, being a great democratic city, and except for '68, when they uh, they lost their sense of democracy. Well, and, yeah. And John Belushi is uh, is in on in footage being beaten by cops. He showed it to me. Yeah, you can see him there being being uh, you know beaten by cops, and he was locked in a paddy wagon. He was part of that protest. But this is what also makes it an amazing country when you think about it. That you could be hit by cops, tear gassed, and seven years later become the biggest star in the yeah. country. <laughs> you know? Yeah. We have down days and we have up days. And we do, we it's do. It's pretty wild. It's true. Uh, when uh, John really broke out with uh, Animal House, you were supposed to do the film as well, right? I was asked to do the film and I decided not to because... Um, I knew uh, that that Lauren would be shorthanded, and he was really scared that I was going to leave. And uh, I never forget that afternoon or that evening. Landis was saying, "You got to come. You got to. We're your D Day man. We'll give you the motorcycle and thing. You got the whole. We got the best. You know. Come on, come on." And I said, "John, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't leave Lauren here. John's gone, and and he he's he's going to. You know, he needs me." And I said, "No." And I and I and ten minutes later, I walked into Lauren's office. I said, "Boss, don't worry. I'm staying." I felt good. It did feel good. That felt good, yeah. Never and we went on, no, no, we went on to do some amazing work. Bruce uh, McGill got right. a great career out of that. Yeah, he and did. Who, who do you picture as D-Day? You couldn't picture anybody else. He was great, just yeah. great. Uh, but when that blew up, it also helped the Blues Brothers. Oh, we were scheming the Blues Brothers all the way <laughs> yeah. through. I was, I was writing the Blues Brothers, yeah. knowing that we were going to ride on the heels of it and get it made, yeah. You knew it was going to be a hit. We, we knew it was going to get made. Well, yeah. You don't know anything's going to be a hit, you know, yeah. but, but we knew it was going to get made. Yeah. But by the time that film came out and you guys had TV and you're doing the Blues Brothers and you're, you're taking it out, you're, uh, you know, planning, you were as big as any rock and roll band. Well, as far as sales of records went, for sure. I mean, that was a triple and a half platinum album, Briefcase Full of Blues. Yeah. Uh, Many artists today would be pleased with about a third of that. Yeah. So that sold three and a half million copies. And, and, and so record sales. Yeah. We were, we were, we were good. And then we did uh, a tour and to some amphitheaters. I think we, we played out to 20,000 seat houses, you know, Pine Knob and Michigan and, and other, other great places. And, uh, um, we did a tour. To support the the movie, and then the movie went on. That soundtrack sold well too, John, which which of course John loved. John loved being a comedian, an actor, a serious actor, a serious devotee devotee of theater, and a music star. He right, loved, right, that right. was like he was perfect for all of yeah. that. Perfect. But that was funny too, because like before that, you had to kind of choose. But it was at that time where you start to say, "If I have this passion, if I have this hunger to do stuff, why not do it?" 
You know what? Why not do TV and movie at the same time? Well, because we had people encouraging us, and we could. You know, yeah. that's why we said why not. Because we we had the greatest musicians. I mean, we had Phenomenal. Otis Redding's guitar players. Steve Cropper and Duck Dunn, and and you know, with them, that legitimized the Blues Brothers. That that made it. If we would have no Blues Brothers without them, because they they realized we were respecting the veterans, and they knew the value uh, of the music, and then the front men, mm-hmm. you know, selling it with a little comedy like Winoni Harris and Cab Calloway and Kay Kaiser did. You got to be funny up there, you know, because sure. you know, especially if you're perhaps a little deficient in the musical talent side, <laughs> you have to make it up uh, another way. Yeah, uh, and so we did, and we were great front men, and and sold the music beautifully, and and eventually John's vocals became really strong, my harp playing improved, and and today um, uh, James Belushi and I, the blood brother of Jake Blues, uh, tour as the Blues Brothers uh, All Star Show Band in Review, uh, featuring the Blood. Uh, the descendant of the Khans of Baluchistan and the Royal Kings of Albania, brother uh, <laughs> Z Blues, and the Legacy Elwood Blues, uh, uh, featuring Joe Sublett and Daryl Leonard, the Texacali Horns. And we travel all over the country. Uh, we were in Hart- Hartford recently, the San Antonio Performing Arts Center. We're going to be um, in uh, in Chicago May May 21, in Austin, Texas, May 18th. So we uh, it's still, look at ah, 40-some years. Yeah, I'm still hobbling around, you know, <laughs> pretending that I'm young. Yeah. But uh, we have a great band now, a great band. Not the movie band, but a great band. And uh, it, it really it really cooks. And it's fun. It's the one and a half hours in my life. I don't have to think about anything else, but moving faster than Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess that uh, also still makes you feel connected to John. Oh, uh, our show, night. we dedicate the, the show yeah. to John every night, and we sing, uh, you know, Soul Man, and we sing uh, She Caught the Katie, and, yeah. oh, no, the show, in my opening voiceover, it's, you know, please welcome two men who are living to keep the legacy and music of their brother Jake alive, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's amazing, uh, well, you know, Rolling Stone just came out recently with with John on, on the cover, which yeah. is just stunning. Well, Jan Wenner yeah. and John had a bromance. Yeah. They loved each other. Right. And John loved Jane, uh, John, uh, 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 Jan Wenner's wife. Uh, the three of them were pals, and Judy, the four of them, they were pals. And, uh, you know, John and, and, uh, and Jan Wenner, they just, they just collect connected you know they had like a you know a kind of a tumbling rivalry you know they they fought they wrestled they they argued and they came together again and they collaborated on things and and so rolling stone was, was always good to john and and you know because its founder loved him dearly as a friend well you know uh, i think that the young people you could go back and watch any of that stuff and it's still there but there was something about the energy that you guys had, and there was something about the love that this country had for John Belushi that kind of bypassed even the talent. There was some kind of connection. And oh, he I, was America's guest. Yeah, he was. I mean, the great story is is the one where we were shooting the uh, in the Harvey Illinois Mall, and it was about two in the morning, and and we were about to do the scene chasing up and down in the mall, you know. Um, inside driving inside the mall and um john was nowhere to be found couldn't find him anywhere where is he not in his trailer not here and i'm thinking what and i i sort of i see the neighborhood and i see a path going through the weeds and one broken street light and i'm thinking logically path at least for just so i follow the path and i go into the suburban neighborhood and there's one light on in a living room 
And I think, I'm just going to try this one. I go up the steps and I knock on the door. And uh, the guy comes to the door. You know, he's like in his pajamas. And, and, and yeah, I, I said, sir, uh, we're making a movie down here and we're missing one of our actors. Oh, you mean Belushi? He's in my couch. Yeah, he came in about an hour ago. He raided my fridge and he's crashed out. So I said, okay, well, I woke up, John. I said, time to go back to work. And I let him. Yeah. He could go anywhere. One time we were driving in, in Boston, and uh, and uh, just this is just after the show. Like was when Samurai was big and everything, yeah. and uh, and uh, we're driving along, and and John, we were at a primary school. It was it was at a, uh, a stoplight, you know, and it was four floors of an old primary school, and John could see the kids in there, you know, and he said, "Watch this," and he got out and he knocked on the bottom window and started to do that animal house dance and all the kids came to the well, and the second floor of the windows open up the third the four and by the time we left that stop like ah oh, johnny johnny yeah you know, they were waving all these kids and they were young kids too you know sure. eight nine ten you know but they knew they knew yeah. yeah so he loved doing that kind of stuff and that was the relationship that everyone i mean here you are you're his best friend but any of us would have taken that job. Oh, you know absolutely. what I mean? Any of us. Every, everybody everybody yeah. loved John. And, he, yeah. and uh, yeah, yeah, no, he was, you know, because he was a classic Illinois alpha male. And yeah. also, you know, a real guy and a real sportsman. He was, you know, all-state football conference champion there. You know, he was uh, a fullback and, you know, he was, uh, he was uh, a, 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 you know, into all kinds of things uh, that, that made him an all-American boy. What was the downside of being with somebody that, had that much energy and that much drive. Well, no downside at all there. Yeah. Um, you know, the only downside were, you know, was the personal behavior, uh, the disease, whatever, you know, the addiction, you know. And that was fed by people who loved him, sure. uh, ironically, you know. Yeah. Uh, get him high, you're doing him a favor. Well, you know, you're not right now. Right. So, but that, that's the only, was the only thing wrong with John was, was that, you know. And hey, I'm... I'm, I'm a lot of us, all of us, maybe have been there once or twice, or yeah. or, or on the brink, or uh, you know, and uh, so you know, it's it's human behavior. Well, we certainly were all living the same way at the time. You know what I mean? Like yeah. none of us probably uh, saw it for what it was. Yeah, at yeah, the time. yeah. It was yeah. It was it was a time where there was kind of a license for that. Yeah. Um. And um. But you know, it cost many lives. Alex Taylor. James Taylor's brother, a good friend of mine, lost his, his uh, life to that. Uh, so did Johnny, and yeah. uh, you know, and, and and yeah, many people at a time. Well, the, uh, I mean, I I can't you know even speak for you and Judy, but for the country, I remember when we lost John, that it was so rough that my mom, I told you this before, my mom would keep checking on me, mm. like just calling, like, hey, are you uh, okay? Because that's beautiful man, it was. From, uh, you know, across and, and a, a generation of people mm -hmm. felt this, you know, yeah. like we lost a friend, a, a family member. Yeah, yeah, you know? I, I think that's right. I think that's right. And uh, and I I can't imagine how many people that had, you know, that impact on, on life. That uh, uh, the whole country here, for sure. And I, yeah. I went shortly afterwards, uh, I went to Paris, France, and... Um, I had a, a girlfriend over there, um, and she said, why don't you come over and see me? I know you lost your buddy in that. And so, you know, I'd like to come see you, you know, and I hadn't seen her in a while. And I, I, I flew over uh, to Paris and, and, uh, and, and we were, we got in the taxi and Blues Brothers music playing throughout our stay there. Taxis, the train station, the restaurants that it, it's like they really, and, and on French, of course, on French. You know, yeah. radio talking about, oh, Monsieur Belushi, the Blues Brothers, and then, you know, everything, the, the, the tribute and honor was right there. 
And so, uh, yeah. Um, so not only did you lose your your friend, your brother, you basically lost your business partner because well, you yeah. guys had 33 so much years planned. old. Yeah, yeah, he's 33. I'm 29. We're planning a new record, new movie, uh, a television show, and uh, then he's yeah he's gone. So it it stopped me cold for a while. I had to I had to you know, but but then like you know when you're in battle, you you lose a buddy, you got to keep going. Over the line, you have to keep, you know, you got to keep moving forward. And, I, and uh, they made the movie Dr. Detroit, Universal, basically, uh, you know, kept that alive. And I met my wife on the picture, so <clears throat> that turned out all right. Yeah, you, um, <laughs> yeah, Marion Donna Dixon is another thing that you just got too much <laughs> in life. I mean, when you, when you really look to see how many things that you got to do, and then... Yeah, that's... I'll agree with you there. Yeah. I totally agree with I you. I mean, there. at a certain point, you've had enough. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not looking else. for any more, believe yeah. me, I'm not. No, I'm just I'm just playing out for the last sort of, you know, <clears throat> the last sort of uh, scenarios. And yeah. All. That's, uh, you know. Uh, but w Dr. Detroit was the first time that you thought maybe the career was going to be okay that uh well the movie was not uh, not a hit except in vcr and then uh, yeah. now um but uh, but it bit you know it's sort of yeah after that then came trading places and then uh then trading ghostbusters places, which is weird that with trading places because eddie murphy was the next person yep. to yeah. have, well we broke uh, yeah. dragnet we broke tom hanks basically yeah. wider as a star and then in trading places we broke eddie murphy wider yeah. as a star yeah uh, and that felt like, like, again, that you knew how to do that thing that you could do comedy with another person. Oh, sure. Without sure. it being competitive, without it. Uh, yeah. You know, again, there are just those those beautiful relationships that, uh, you know, like Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder. Yeah. Know, great, great teams where they have the individuality, but but that, you know, the collaboration makes the whole thing work. Yeah. Uh, Trading Places was uh, one of those films that... Uh, you know, from a from a comedy point of view, had just about everything where the characters literally get an arc, which doesn't always happen. You know, you don't see a Cheech and Chong movie and go, oh, those guys have really grown uh, <laughs> in the past hour and a half. But to see the characters change so much and end in a in a different place, it was immensely well well written. That, yeah. that movie it was written by uh, by uh, Weingrad and Harris and. To my knowledge, I don't know that I've seen a collaboration from them since. Certainly not one as, that's what's well known. They wrote it on the fax machine. One guy lived in Michigan. One guy lived in in uh, California. Wow! And so they traded papers back and forth. And and Michael Eisner and I uh, were sitting in the car trying to figure out what the movie should be called. They had called it another something else. Uh, I think it was called the Trade, and we were playing with that. And uh, and and I was saying to him, well, maybe trading, trading, and he said trading places, and so he came up with the title, and uh, and that was it. And then something that you wrote, of course, and did you write it for you and John was Ghostbusters? I was writing it for yeah. John Eddie Murphy myself. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then I got the word that John had died, and that day I was writing a line for him when the when I got the call, you know. And uh, yeah, and, and now, of course, uh, you know, many years later, we have the two first movies. Uh, we've got a Lego toy set. We have Mattel <laughs> toys. We have. So I mean, you know, if you want your Ghostbusters fix, it's it's out there. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, we have DVDs, yeah. the movies. We have games, video games. We have uh, lots lots of toys. And now, um, the uh, the real uh, real uh, reality, in fact, of the third movie with uh, this tremendous cast of women. Uh, Melissa McCarthy, Kate McKinnon, uh, Leslie Jones, and um, and Kristen Wiig, and uh, and a and a great 
great script from Paul Feig, which we will work on and, and make better. And uh, so I'm, I'm really, really excited about it. I've got three daughters, so I'm all for female empowerment. Sure. <laughs> well, you know, I, I've had uh, Paul Feig do this show, too. And he's really a brilliant guy, but really somehow able to do the, the bringing broad comedy out of women, which is somewhat new to get to doing film well right? the, the well he's he, he establishes the voices beautifully in these mm -hmm. characters now of course he's got masters you know playing the ro the roles for him so um sure so this is going to really work in our favor for the for the third movie yeah are any of the other characters going to show up from no it's as if uh it's as if the first two movies don't exist and and as if this is a whole parallel reality where for the first time the ghostbusters exist and their women in this environment that's a lot different than the first two but I can tell you, as the originator, and a, a, you know, I I'm very happy with what he's done. It's very very tasteful, and it needed a reworking. It you know yeah. the, the thing needed a new engine. You know, it needed yeah. new exhaust. It needed new steering, and this is what we're getting. Well, you you've been working for the last couple of years about getting something going with Ghostbusters. Oh, I've written. Uh, well, we have. I've written. Uh, I've well, well, there's three drafts. Uh, of the old concept that exists. Mm. And we're going to be able to salvage some of it and use it. Yeah, we're going to be yeah. able to use it someday. But let's get this one made, and that, that will reinvigorate the franchise, and then we'll go on to maybe doing a more conventional third sequel as we were planning, uh, and then and, and another idea I have for it. Um, um, so, But that we'll is the thing about this business, that there's always something as the perfect storm before it gets made, right? Ah, uh, well, you know, you look at E.T., it took Spielberg, you know, 10, 12 years to get that mm -hmm. movie made. And that's Spielberg and E.T. Right. You yeah. know, so, you know, yeah. let's go through who were the short-sighted executives sitting <laughs> yeah. in those suites? Where are they now? Yeah. They're probably running the Empire still. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But boy, what a bad decision that was. Yeah, it's amazing. And then, and then when you think, well... But maybe it didn't wouldn't have worked back then. I don't know. Then it, it all came together in that perfect storm, and then you had that massive, wonderful, uh, you know, heart uh, heart tugging hit. So almost, it's it's better to just think it'll happen when it's time is to happen while you're working hard at it. I, you know, you always try to push it as much as yeah. you can and drive it, drive it, drive it. But you know, show business moves like an asphalt spreader on a Georgia morning. It's just mm. uh, you know, yeah. This, you know, you, you know, you know. If you think anything, if you think otherwise, take your unicorn around the track for another circuit. You know? Yeah, but you're you're a guy who does believe in the spiritual world. I, I say do. that as we have this crystal yeah, well, skull sitting in between us. But uh, yeah. but you that that is that's something that you do believe in. Uh, I do, of course, I do. I, yeah. I, I believe that uh, I believe in that, that there's that there's a spark of life that survives us after we leave our corporeal shell, and uh, I've just I've read so much evidence of it. I've I've had you know dreams where people that have died have come back to me and given me signs and symbols that I wake up and then I see those signs and symbols that they've given me a premonition about my. Family uh, held seances at the old farmhouse. My great-grandfather, Sam, was a dentist and a psychic researcher. My dad has a book called History of Ghosts about mediumship. Many people uh, were interested in at the turn of the century. Uh, Crooks Lodge, Conan Doyle, real men of science. They wanted to know what's going on here. What is a ghost? What makes that? Why am I seeing an apparition of someone that's dead? And, and what, what is he or she doing there? What are they doing? Are they coalescing molecules? How are they doing it? 
And I'd like to know. I'd love, I'd love to know myself. And I think that more, uh, you know, serious scientific inquiry is, is needed to, to, you know, uh, the, the hero to me was Hans Holzer. He was a ghostbuster based here in New Jersey. He died, uh, a few years ago in his eighties, but, uh, you read his books and, uh, you, you could have no doubt that, that there's a, something going on here that's, uh, that's quite real and material. Do you tie that in with any religion or is it all? Well, I'm a lapsed Catholic, uh, uh-huh. and, uh, you know, then the Bible clearly warns against necromancy and believing in kind of things supernatural in that way. But, uh, um, you know, what was Christ's ascension into heaven or Mary's assumption into heaven? There's some supernatural physical thing going on there. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I take with me into, from Christianity, the, the tenets of the Christ, uh, you know, those who are given much will be, will be required to give much back. And I, I live my life that way. Um, as to, you know, are you going to get me being a fundamentalist Bible thumper out there on the street? Maybe not. Um, however, I could, I could give you a good preaching if you wanted, you know, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm more, I'm more about the, 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 you know, that we are all linked that we all, there's God in all of us, that we are all linked, that there's a universal energy that we can draw on and tap on and that will help us. And that you can make your dreams come true by positive visualization. I mean, when I sat down to write all these movies, I had air mm. and a piece of paper. And a royal typewriter, and then my legal pad, and then my computer one day, and now back to legal pad I do it. But I had nothing. And I had to visualize, I had to visualize, I had to dream it all to make it happen. Made it happen. There is a way to positivize. You know, so negative energy, negative thoughts, very, very dangerous. You always must think the positive and see that cone of positive energy ahead of you to, to get you through life. It's essential. So you think by dreaming it, we're actually conjuring it into the physical in, world in, in many cases i think yeah. it, it'll work and i think people may tell you and you know may tell you that you know and when f- people sit around and have bad thoughts uh, bringing that to themselves well that's right that's right Evil, yeah. yeah yeah sure we got to avoid them at all possible and stay away from negative energy and psychic vampires people who are bringing you down and not and not, not propping you up do you do you think those people are doing that or on purpose i think there's some people that are just built that way yeah you know they just come out and they're negative and they're black holes, and they're going to suck energy, and, you know, there's nothing you can do to change it. And then there's people that are refulgent, that give light and, and, and promote light and, and, and want the best for, for their friends and family. I uh, really like the, the thought that you're just sitting there with air and your own thoughts. Oh, yeah, 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 I know. And I'm, to bring it together. But I've talked to so many songwriters, and I, I've never met one who really knows exactly how to write a song. You know what I mean? They know how to get kind of clear and let the song come through, but it's still a mystery to them. No, you have to be, you have yeah. to be open. Yeah. yeah. You have to be open. And if you really think about it, the mystery of humor, that one person could do the line exactly the same as another person, and but the first person will get a much bigger laugh. Uh, always uh, interesting. Well, yeah, Joe Curd for the first time has, you know, is most yeah. powerful. But, uh, you know, humor is tough. It's uh, a lot tougher than drama. Drama, you just let the words fall out of your mouth and follow the director. Humor, you're like the astronaut, trying to keep that ping pong ball above the red line all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard work. Yeah. Oh, it's hard. Yeah. You know, because so, you want it to be perfect, and sometimes it's not. Particularly, I guess, when you have a big film like Ghostbusters to go back every night and not be sure whether it's working or not because it's so large. And elements have to be we added. Did, yeah, we knew we had something good there, but we really didn't know until that first cut, until yeah. the first preview. Of, uh, you know, we, we knew it needed work. And then by the second or third, we knew we had it, you know. 
Yeah. Uh, but you, because you guys were pros by that point, you could feel it. You knew it. Well, we just kind of, you know, it, it was just working. You know, we we didn't, you know, we were had our fingers crossed, but and then we we fixed it to get it right, and and then we turned out to be right. You know. But, you well, know, I said we have this crystal. Skull, no guarantee. Skull sitting here, which, by the way, is. You've never seen anything like that this. Beautiful. That's John yes. Alexander uh, did that. He's uh, an artist, a painter, a sculpture, a uh, sculpture artist, and a painter, a landscape painter, and portraitist. And uh, you notice has a little grin. He's a happy yeah. skull <laughs> because uh, we like to, uh, you know, it's positive energy. Uh, the Navajo, the Aztec, the Mayans all had them uh, in legend. They were crystal heads given to them by the star children to see into the future as crystal balls to help the tribe along, to see uh, either crop failures or crop abundance, uh, uh, people in the tribe that would be negative and that had to be removed. Um, we don't we don't really associate, uh, in, in our minds, we don't associate it with doom, although uh, in the hands of a, of a practiced Aztec operator, they, they could be used to, to call, call doom. So what we did, we decided it was the perfect vessel to sell our pure story. Uh, basically, in short, and we don't have to dwell on this for a minute, minute here, is a, a crystal head is different from, I would say, most other uh, lesser-priced vodkas because there's no glycerides in it, and there's no lemonine and no sugar. They put glyceride in to cut the alcohol smell and to cut the taste of alcohol. Wait a minute. I'm having a cocktail. I want to taste the alcohol. So uh, we cut that out, and it's a it's an, an impure um, oil, industrial oil. Lemonine in its raw form can be a cleanser. Glyceride, of course, a cousin to propylene glycol, which is antifreeze. They don't put enough in this to kill you, and it's allowed by the government. But if you're a bar chef or at home, you're having a party, if you knew you had the choice to serve a vodka that had no industrial oils added, wouldn't you make the choice? It's obvious to me. So, and there's no sugar at all. There's enough sugar sugar in CH2, uh, C2H506, you don't have to have uh, any uh, any sugar. So we make it in Newfoundland. We won the Prodexpo medal in Moscow, Russia last year <laughs> for excellent taste. So if the vodkas don't, you know, are, are not known by Russians, well, the Japanese don't know their sushi. I mean, it's... Yeah. It's, <laughs> but it's a great. tough business to break into, right? It is, but we're, we're doing okay. Yeah. We're doing okay because people are responding to the, the clean uh, taste. It, it's great in a cold shot. Uh, cold, our notes uh, from Anthony Dias Blue. He's, he's a vodka taster and critic like Robert Parker in the wine. Yeah. Uh, he gave us the notes uh, sweet, vanilla, dry, crisp, with a kick of heat off the finish. So you get the little kick of heat because we don't mask it. You get it dry and crisp. There's no oils. Then you have that sweet vanilla. We make it with peaches and cream corn from Chatham, Ontario, Canada. And we marry it with the original aquifer water from the glacier that was over Newfoundland uh, uh, 18,000 years ago. Uh, it melted and went into the province there. And we draw it right up into the government distillery. It's made by the last state-owned still in the world, the uh, government uh, distillery owned by the province of Newfoundland and Labrador. So... Uh, uh, you know, your your quality is 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 guaranteed here, and um, you know I've I've got a hundred and fifty of these heads in my barn in Canada <laughs> on the rafters just from the last four or five years of campfires, you know, and I can't throw them out. They're so beautiful, you know. Well, it really is. It's an, it's amazing, yeah. and I see these. You know, when I'm walking through New York, they're always in the window. Yeah, we're people doing a good, we're doing window. a good job. Yeah, they're you know, and people, if you go on our website, worldwideweb.crystalahead.com, uh, uh, artists do all kinds of things with them. They uh, they do amazing things. They 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 put rhinestones on them, jewels. They paint them. They fill them with fluids, and uh, and and you know, they uh, there's thousands of pictures of what artists have done with this uh, this artist designed concept. So yeah. well. 
you said it took the House of Blues before you were really interested in business, right? That's mm-hmm. when you thought. But was an idea for doing something like this always in the back of your mind, or did that also just come out of it? It was as well? sort of evolved out of I just wanted a better margarita in Canada, so I, <laughs> I said, "How do I get this beautiful Patron Silver into Canada?" And I went to the guy who owns the company, my friend J.P. DeJoria. Uh, the great entrepreneur and philanthropist. He owns Paul Mitchell Hair Systems and Patron. And and I said, I, I got this little government liquor store. How do I get Patron in so I can serve a better dockside margarita? He said, well, Dan, you got to bring it to the whole country. So um, my partner, David Brown, and I imported it to, to Canada. Now we're the number one luxury t- selling tequila in Canada. We represent a good percentage of Patron's f- foreign sales. And uh, and uh, from that, I just began to research vodka and, and found out th- that there's a way to do it where you don't have to have these oils and you can make a beautiful product and win medals and have it consumed um, without masking the alcohol and, and over over perfuming it. If you open up a lot of vodkas, they smell like Chanel Number no. 5. You know, this, this smells like uh, what it is. It's uh, H2O plus C2H506. That's it. Nothing else. But what does your family say to you at this point in your life where you're like, yes, I'm going to start a vodka company? Well, in fact, a- I, uh, I, I, I borrowed from the girls' college funds, although they don't like me to tell this story. I said, girls, I need uh, XXX, and we're going to the vodka business. And, okay, Dad, fine, you know. Uh, rest assured, those funds have been topped up again. And, uh, <laughs> and and my Harvard graduate is very happy about that, too. But So you had to tap back into the savings. You had to say... I did, I did, because yeah. I'm an artist. I'm an actor. What do I, 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 I know business and stuff, but, you know, actors and artists are notoriously bad with money, so... Sure. A lot, you know, a while ago I had, I had it taken away from me and now I have a team that just runs it for me. You know, I don't, I don't, but I did, I did, uh, I did convince the girls to free this up and it's turned out to be a good investment for them. Yeah. Um, all these things that you're able to balance, like we're talking about, you've been in the business side of the business, obviously producing, directing, uh, writing, but you are one of those guys that you do are connected with your family. Most, a lot of guys have lost their way. In their personal life. Oh, uh, yeah. Yes. I've got, you know, I've got strong, strong family around me. You know, my mom and dad are still alive. My, my, my mom's 93. My dad's 90. Uh, I'm sorry. My mom's 96. My dad's 93. Yeah. They still have their mind intact. They watch the news at night. They read the paper. Uh, you Dan, know, you, they uh, drink uh, nothing but, uh, but alcohol. Dan, are you sure? Uh, are you sure these aren't spirits and you're just, um, they, you know, someday they will be. And, yeah. uh, and I'll hear my dad's, uh, whisper in the, in the, you know, in the trees at the farm, you know, when he's gone, he'll be a great presence. And, uh, and my mom, of course, but, uh, I got him with them now. These are valuable times. I'm, sure. So I take care of them and I'm, I'm up there quite a bit with them now. You know, they're funny and great. And, you know, I said to my mom, mom, you got to hydrate yourself. You gotta, you gotta drink water. She, I drink water when I brush my teeth. <laughs> you know. Yeah. There's a there's a long tradition of Canadian humor coming to the States and kicking our ass, isn't there? There's so many great people. Yeah, Marty Short. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, um, yeah. Um, Jim, uh, Carrey. Jim, Jim Carrey, John Candy, yeah. uh, Mike Myers. It's amazing. Um, what is it about that Canadian sense um, of humor? Yeah, um, young Michael Fox. Yeah. Um, well, here it is. I think we had the benefit of growing up with the CBC that carried all of the old BBC comedy shows, right. the old radio shows and TV shows uh, from, you know, from the music hall and vaudeville era of, of Britain, you know, that, the, you know, the goon show and, 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 you know, Spike Milligan and all those, you know, and the Pythons and all that. Mm-hmm. We had all that. 
Then we also had the American television that we, we were watching through Buffalo and Rochester and the American carriers that were that were the signal spilled over into the into Canada. So we were watching Lucille Ball and Eve Arden and Bilko and and Danny Thomas and 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 all those great uh, comedians. That's I think that fusion of that that old classic English absurd musical comedy and then the uh what I might call the Yiddish lower east side Catskill rhythm uh that you got with 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 uh, those great shows uh, like Danny Thomas and Lucille Ball um you know that was all established uh, very early in America and and that's where American comedy comes from primarily though those fusions in Canadians mind you know, we had the best of both worlds, the British and the American, fusing together, and we had an understanding of both, and from it came our own, I guess, take on it, which you see in the work of Catherine O'Hara and Dave Thomas and, and those kids from SCTV, Amazing. you know, in their time, yeah, yeah. yeah. Amazing performers, and to know, not only was that the same time as SNL, but those two casts were... Linked oh, Eugene back Levy and, and Joe Flaherty, and yeah. oh, yeah. We were all colleagues and friends from Second City, um, didn't mix too much the two shows. I don't think we ever did crossover, but uh, um, we had uh, we had a, just a you know a, a beautiful relationship professionally. Uh, even though there was two separate camps of television being you know being done, we we had a great respect for each other and 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 a love of what we were doing. We 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 loved each other's work. I loved watching SCTV. It was really a, a fortunate time, I think, for you to be there. I mean, you're. Your fit into that is pretty amazing, you know? Well, collaboration, you know, you can't do it alone. And uh, again, at Second City, we were taught, again, that socialist, you give, you give, you give, you listen, you listen, you listen, you take rarely, but take when they're giving it to you. So, you know, um, that give and take is a, is a big part of, of successful improv. And you just learn to be generous sometimes, you know, uh, with your fellow, fellow performer, so... It is, uh, it's stunning to think the career that you've had in music, the career that you've had in television, the career that you've had touring. Working with the best people. Yeah. I, it's, you know, what you said. The yeah. Beatles are the Beatles because you had George and you had John and you had Ringo there with Paul and the Stones are the Stones because you had Charlie Watts and, uh, you know, and Mick has Charlie Watts as a drummer. I mean, you know. The Stones wouldn't be the Stones without without all of them, you know. What is, what is your era of music for you? If you go back, and oh, I love the Stax Volt era. I really yeah. do. I love uh, I love all uh, you know Wilson Pickett and uh, and uh, you know uh, Isaac Hayes and David Porter and Steve Cropper and and Eddie Floyd and uh, just the the music that came out of the out of the, uh, the that era in Memphis. That Memphis sound to me was, was phenomenal, it. right? Yeah, it just had it all. It it, it blended blues, soul. Um, rock, a great, a great, uh, you know, rhythms, uh, and, and horn and, and humor, you know, walking the dog, little jolly Johnny Taylor, who's making love to your old lady while you were out making love. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it, blues and, and R&B and soul, there's full of humor, full of humor. You yeah. Look at Beyonce, you know, you put a ring on it, you know, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. You know, yeah. you're going to get some of this, you're going to put a ring on it. And that's funny. That's in the tradition of these great writers, you know? I just think it though, it's amazing that you take this guy who grew up on a lake in Canada. Well, the, yeah, I did. And, I grew and, up in Hull, Quebec. Yeah. Uh, you know, even more challenging. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. to identify with these black 
you know, blues players down well, south. It was because of this this the club that we used to go to in Ottawa. I told you about yeah. that circuit where they all go. It was called Le Hibou, and that means an owl in French. And this, this they, they all came through there. So as a high school kid, I'm seeing them. And, of course, I'm listening to the black radio stations, Detroit and uh, and, and Boston and New York and, and, uh, and, you know, hearing all the Motown and the Philly hits and had a shortwave radio. So I was always tuning into that. And whenever I could see uh, an act, I'd go out to see. I saw James Brown. Very early on, and I saw Sam and Dave live, and you know, and uh, you know that the, seeing James Brown was a, really a, an epiphany. Uh, you know, that good. Sure. you can be you can be a great singer, you can be a great dancer, a great vocalist, and you can have a lot of humor. You know, when they drop the cape on him and he does, please, please, please. Yeah, this is entertainment, <laughs> and this is uh, yeah, he's you know, winking at you there. You know, you know, I don't know if I've ever talked to a performer. Who has as much appreciation for every other type of performance? And I've I've never once heard you sit here and talk about your own talent, which again is a rare, rare thing. Well, look, you know, I I, I just took the, what I had and I just made the best of what I had. And you know what? I, I've just been so fortunate to, to have been able to do what I, I I did what I wanted for a living. And then when you got that, that's that's pretty pretty neat, you know. Well, I'm glad that you think you're fortunate, and I'm going to speak for an entire generation to say we've been really, really fortunate to have you too, my friend. Well, uh, and fortunate I'm, to have you as an understanding audience. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad when good things happen to good people. Dan Ackwood, thank That's you so fun. much. For you. That was fantastic. Dan Ackwood. Thank you. You know what you've been doing? You've been listening to the Ron and Fez Show. It's now over, but don't worry. You can listen again and again on Sirius XM On Demand. Go to SiriusXM.com slash On Demand. Listen to Ron and Fez whenever you want. Go to SiriusXM.com slash On Demand.